This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans, who's also wearing a beanie. He's been wearing a, a lot of beanies on these shows lately. He's trying to be like a cool, know. hip I'm guy. Very shiny. I'm very shiny now, and I haven't shaved again, so it's just starting to come. It's starting... Uh, the worst part about balding and, and shaving your head is that if you don't keep up with it and shave it regularly... You can really see the hurt. Like, you can see the spots where hair is just not growing anymore. And it's just it's like, ah, I have to shave. So for now, I won't be showing my shiny head yet until I shave it up. Well, I have no excuse. I have a full head of hair. hair excuse me. Um, but you two fellas, however, have something in common with yeah. one another for the, for the time being. Anyway. Alopecia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tonight, we have back on Nick Joroff. Wizard of Cause on YouTube. Off. How are you doing tonight? I know we've just been chatting. I already asked you that only five minutes ago, but let's just play along with this. Well, I had to revisit what we were ta- what we're going to be talking about tonight, so that kind of brought my day down a little bit <laughs> to give sort of a, well, I guess to sort of give a little spoiler alert uh, about my opinion there. Um, otherwise, all right. I'm fine. Yeah, we're going to be talking about... We've been talking about a lot of TV shows on movies lately. We were talking about Dexter. What was the first? True Detective. We did True Detective with Jake Hammerhan many... I mean, over a year ago. Uh, that's about Which 100 one? episodes. Uh, we, we did the first two seasons. I think the third okay. one had just finished airing at the time. And um, I had revisited both. And obviously, I think that first True Detective season is terrific. I was not very generous to True Detective season two when it uh, first aired. And I was not into it at all. But, uh, you know, having gone back to it, I think with a reset perspective and, and knowing what to anticipate, uh, I found it much more enjoyable the second time around, although it's completely carried on the shoulders of Vince Vaughn and uh, Colin Farrell. But today we're going to be talking about a Netflix property. We did talk about Squid Game earlier this year. That's a Korean television series. And, and like Squid Game, this this series is bolstered by a Korean lead actor, John Cho. Uh, you know, when I think of Spike Spiegel, that's that's just what comes to mind is Harold from Harold and Kumar. Yeah, 50 year old Korean man is exactly what I see when I think like, yeah. what would Spike look like in real life? Oh, and you know, a big old moon faced Korean. That's right. Middle aged Korean man sounds. Yeah, about right on that one. Yeah, that's not, not not really who I would cast for a Korean Ash Williams, which is pretty much who this character mm-hmm. is. You know, he's very groovy. I I made the mistake. I thought it was going to be helpful. I made the mistake of watching the anime. Like I watched the first. You asked me to watch the first two and the last one because I didn't really want to see it through the whole thing. I watched the first episode of the live action, and then I watched the anime just to compare both of them because I haven't seen uh, either of them. And the difference between the anime character was very slick, very cool, very groovy, I guess you can call it. And then this old guy <laughs> who is trying to play that role, but it's just that's just not who the guy is. So even though he's an actor, he should be able to pull it off. I, I, I don't know if it's that I just already have a, a bias against him because of the Harold thing. Like, I can't separate him from that. Actually, I guess makes me kind of racist. But also... um Something that they didn't uh, keep in mind when they were casting this is that now with HD cameras and close-ups, you can really tell that someone's not 27 years old. He's supposed to be 27. Also, the bad guy, Vicious, or whatever his name is, he's also supposed to be 27. And then you get those close-ups with crow's feet and just, like, old skin and just kind of like, ah. It, it, it makes the goofiness of, like, their hair and, like, their outfits and all of that 
kind of embarrassing because they're just 50 year old men you know dressed up like that yeah i mean to me like i mean honestly like to me cowboy bebop uh the anime for a long time is like i'm a i'm a super fan in that sense like to me that's one of my favorite works of fiction period and the sad thing i noticed watching it though it's like yeah john cho for one thing is too old clearly too old to be playing this character is supposed to be in their 20s um and and like the casting decisions outside of like cho and vicious are probably the two most the two worst casting decisions i'd say the guy who played jet i thought pretty much nailed the character had the voice, the tone. The only thing that fucked that up was they introduced this like element where he's got a daughter when he didn't have one in the original show. Right. And that kind of takes away from the character too, because he's supposed to look kind of like Evans. He's supposed like, you know, our, my character Evans in, um, in Mass State Lottery. He's like, you know, he's a jaded ex-cop with like nothing in the world for him. Like what he has is all he's got. And then they introduced, it. but I thought that I thought that actor, and I thought honestly too, the the actress who played Faye, did serviceable work with what she was given. Because I this, really, I I completely disagree. I thought she was the worst part of the entire series. I, I think wish her, her I character. Wish it didn't... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm, this isn't like praise of the character. This is actually more like I'm looking at this. I'm like looking at the material like the, um, like i'm hearing the lines and watching the sequences and, and and like you know just kind of envisioning like being given the script with like this is what's happening today and that's where i think most of the like that and like the the the, the what's well, the whole composition really mm-hmm. i think i think the actress did does a serviceable job with what she's given which i don't think was good um the- I don't think they should have had her curse so much because every time she cursed felt so awkward. They made Faye Amy Schumer, basically. That's that's every line of dialogue out of her mouth is uh, either perverted or fuck or something along those lines. It felt very yeah. not Faye. Yeah, they, yeah. No, the, that's what I'm, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Just in terms of performance, though, like I think the Faye character in this live action is pretty shit. I think, though I'll say, like, it's the kind of thing, so, like, whenever a scene transitions and we're, like, revisiting Vicious and Julia, which, like, narratively, that's a clusterfuck on its own, but when those characters come on screen, I'm actively like, oh, fuck, really? Okay, I'm, I don't want to see these characters. I'm not enjoying this sequence. When Faye's on, it's like, okay, like, I'm enjoying the performance you're putting out. You know, you're doing your best to what you're given. It's, it's it's serviceable. And then you come back to John Cho, who is so obviously trying to be as cool as Spike is, and he's just not. Faye it's, felt like Hit Girl for me from uh oh, from uh, that's a yeah that's a pretty good one yeah. Yeah, where it's just a little girl that curses. So it's like, oh, cool, it's a little girl that curses. But this character's not a little girl. So it's just like, oh, cool, the girl said fuck again. That's interesting. Tiny dick reference. Oh, tiny penis reference. That's comedy. What's the the line in the last episode? Uh, uh, Welcome to the ouch, motherfuckers. Uh, You know know what this this series reminded me of tonally and just like spiritually? It felt very... Joel Schumacher's Batman. Batman, ah, Batman, ah, Batman ah, you got it too? 
Yeah, I had yeah. that same that that was my exact fucking night. That was an exact feeling when I when I first started watching it. It's it's almost like I pictured this studio meeting where somebody comes in really earnestly with a pitch they're really interested in, in like really seeing produced. I'm like, I want to make this thing called Cowboy Bebop. It's based on on an existing IP that people love. And all of a sudden, the studio ears go like, money what? Huh? And then like, yeah, well, what is it? It's an anime. What's an anime? It's a cartoon. I love it. We'll make a live action cartoon. <laughs> like, if you watch Cowboy Bebop, the original anime, it is actually grittier and more grounded in terms of its violence, in terms yeah. of any kind of subversive or like, uh, you know, like, I'm not even going to go with cursing, but kind of like any, like tonality wise, all of it, it's, it's like, it's more grounded and gritty and real than it is cartoonish and goofy. And then it's like Netflix is like, okay, let's do cartoonish and goofy. This will be fun. Everyone who's not the main cast, overact your fucking hearts out. Come on, really yeah. go for it. Chew on the scenery. Literally, you dog. Do I was, it. I, I was really struggling between, is this person overacting or underacting? Because I feel that at times <laughs> they were doing that, and then at other times it felt like they just didn't want to be there at all. Like the performance was just like, all right, let's get this done. Uh, but yeah, the the tone, uh, again, because I'm, I think I've only maybe seen one episode of the anime. Uh, the way that the stories told even though i only saw two episodes it's a more and this is weird to say about it but it's a more mature way of storytelling because they're not feeding you uh everything as like a little step-by-step of of you know this person knows this person this way so they step by step that was a great show wasn't that good (laughs) cody what was his name patrick duffy from dallas that's the show None of those, none of those stars have been arrested for child endangerment. I'm guessing, isn't that right, Drake and Josh? Fuck me. Wasn't Cody? I think no, Cody. No, was, not for child endangerment. He boy. beat up his mom or something. Cody oh, gives a shit about. He, it. He, he pushed some woman over or something. Got kicked off yeah, the show because he just went on a spree assaulting Asian people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, the the anime is more of a procedural, and it's definitely. Yeah generally darker and more adult in tone especially if you watch the um the subtitled version over the dub version but yeah there's not i mean obviously it's the the script the script is a big problem but i would also fault that it's probably more difficult for the actors to get into their characters first of all when they bought all the wardrobe from party city when everything is just (laughs) halloween costumes that you can get from wish.com Literally, uh, the suits look polyester. It's horrible. And clearly, I, I would say 75% of the uh, backdrops are just pure green screen. Now, granted, you know, it's a space show or whatever. But you can very easily, build, especially on a Netflix budget for this, for one of the most coveted properties, something that's been uh, you know, talked about for at least 15 years now. I know they're talking about maybe doing a cowboy bebop adaptation as early as what 2004 2005 well the actually i think it might have even gone yeah it was about then maybe a little earlier the original plan was keanu reeves that that was originally his like you know that that was his like big goal because he's a massive bebop fan himself and he actually had a script and like you know had all the production plans 
and you can find interviews on YouTube where he's like talking about it. And he went to the studios and they're like, we love this script. We love the story. We love the IP. We love everything about it. It's only one problem. It's going to cost $3 billion to make. And yeah. And I mean, he, uh, and it's funny because I remember back uh, like 15 years ago when that sort of rumor was getting milled around and um, there was like those fan casting art pieces you know people photoshop they're like oh this is who i dream of playing fucking wolverine uh, hans can you pull up a good uh cowboy bebop adaptation fan manipulation poster preferably from like 2005 yeah. continue nick sorry well yeah no it's just, well it's funny because i remember like uh, the, the the dream casting it was pretty well photoshopped but the dream cast at that time was uh keanu reeves as spike which could kind of work better it, probably even with his like 55 year old ass would probably work better than john Cho. i'd say oh absolutely um, i think visually yep. speaking anyway he's probably i mean even still yeah he's probably the yeah well, i mean he's kind of a he's kind of a blank slate but then again spike's kind of a blank slate as a character like he's this noir tough guy detective character you know um but yeah they had christina ricci as Faye. she's certainly got the endowment for such a character <laughs> Um, also, I mean, like, she's got that, you know, dark hair, dark eyes, intensity that would work. Uh, Bruce Willis for Jet. Oh, speak of the and devil. There you yep, go. There it is. All yep, three of them. One. Yep. And then they also, there was one last one I saw. Somebody was saying Ella Fanning should have played Radical Edward, which I kind of thought was pretty on the nose. Uh, what did they get there? Uh, Matrix 1999, Keanu Reeves with, with Spike's hair. With a weird yeah. hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That looks natural. Yeah, that's pretty good. This is just what people would do back in 2004. They would go <laughs> on message boards and uh, create these little mock-ups. And you say and... back in 2004, they're still doing it, man. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times, like, you know, so this phone has passed through, like, another set of hands. So the news feed is on her old feed. So, but I get some weird shit like this fan mock-up of fucking Tobey Maguire playing Wolverine is amazing. It will blow your yeah. mind. Like, Hold on. That actually became like uh, its own form of news now. If somebody makes a Photoshop poster and then you'll see like wegotitcovered.com says Willem Dafoe is the new Joker. And you'll be like, uh, what? And then you'll click it and it's like in this fan poster that brings his oh, character to oh oh you fucking liar that oh, dude i've seen on youtube they've got a, a trend i noticed that's um people are like will edit their own trailers to movies that haven't come out or that are coming out or rumored to come out but there's no media out on it yet so they'll just cut different sequences from other movies that the actors have been in do you know how many times i i've fallen for miami vice 2021 reboot and it's like an old picture of don johnson i was like hold on what and i click it and it's just a bunch of clips from movies mixed in with like burn notice uh backdrops and you whatever usa program suits you know they'll throw that in there it's just like ah. this, is this was this before they decided that jet is like the darkest african ever because bruce willis is not a black man at all so that well, the, thing there. jet's always <laughs> been kind of gray colored you could interpret that yeah. however you will yeah and, and the and the dubbed version of the anime itself like because every one of those vo like every one of the voices in that show to people to fans of it are kind of iconic and like it was, you know, the black actor who played Jet. And it's funny because the actor who plays him, this is where I like really give credit, is the actor who plays Jet in this live adaptation 
he's got the he's got the like, he sounds just like him and honestly this is like you know and, and i've seen some people you know your nerd rotic types as it was who are just like aghast that they've race swapped and it's like i don't give a fuck this guy's got the best performance in the show in fact most of the scenes he's in he carries and um but it's yeah i mean like but yeah jet in the in the show like he was kind of like you know, most animes make all of their characters as sort of racially ambiguous as they can right which is also the classic. Dragon Ball. If you ever saw Mr. Popo, uh, they, <laughs> they like to go very yeah. on the nose. Very classic 1940s interpretation of race. But continue, well, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, well, it's weird because, like, you know, like one of the things that I think they fucked up, and with this entire series, I think it's just fair to say, the, the live adaptation here, is it, it's a mess in that, like, they had the source material and they did try to stick to some of it but not enough and it was one of these kind of things like either you either like take the source material and remake it you know beat for beat as best as you can or do something completely different because i mean even the movie they came the anime movie they came out with for bebop which came out after the series concluded and spoiler alert we're doing did didn't give a fuck about spoilers nah show? we're talking about it all go right ahead all right well, yeah, well, so, I mean, at the end of the Bebop series, and it's a limited series at the end of it, like, there's this really poetic death. Uh, you know, our main character, Spike, dies. And it's poetic. Then after that, they came out with this anime movie, which they outright said, they're like, don't try and figure out where this fits in continuity. It, it, it's part of the, you know, story now, but don't try and figure it out. It happened at some point. And that was because, like, they could just come up with these things and say, oh, yeah, this is a story that this crew and this cast of characters went through at some point between the beginning when we met them and the end when your main character died. Instead, they, they, they tried and failed to adapt so many elements from the show, from the original one, as almost it was. And it's weird because it's not quite fan service. It's, it's, it's close but not on the mark kind of shit. And... And and it's that I think I think just structurally as as the show itself goes is like that's one of its biggest problems is it can't figure out is it trying to retell the story of Bebop is it trying to tell new Bebop stories and where do we go from here and they fucked their stuff I mean like you know and then you get your diversity check boxes too like the character of Gren and like in the series Gren had a real fucking like crazy I I think really interesting role like he was this soldier who was experimented on. And had like drugs and shit given to him that caused him like basically grow tits and become bi gender or whatever they call. And in this one, and he was and he had a two two show run. It was like a two parter, and his character meant something. Now it's like, oh, he's kind of a crime lord and he's non binary. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, this wasn't that big a character, and now you're minimizing the impact that the original character had and the original story was. By mixing it up with all your other garbage. Vicious, another example. This guy's like, he's, 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 I'm like, I'm half expecting him to just bust out a fucking Zune and start blasting some cut myself emo music. <laughs> when in the original show, what made him a compelling and terrifying villain was like zero emotion. Like he took slight pleasure in killing, and that's all the emotion you got out of him. And, you know, you can have him like 
he could have him dead to rights chained to a wall with a gun to his head and he'd still just be like i'm going to kill all of you and this guy's like oh my god to make me do well you ruined that on what is that episode one or two i don't remember when he's asked to kill his wife and he's like i, I can't i can't do it and it's like all right who is this guy then is this a vicious villain or is this someone that's loves his wife <laughs> very nice husband it kind of yeah it takes away from the whole like heartless ruthless crime lord thing doesn't it? Yeah. it's like oh but he also loves dogs what the fuck like, <laughs> yeah i and i also realized that uh the cowboy Bebop episodes are what like 25 minutes the anime uh this goes this this thi- is it the anime no 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 no, no the first the, the live I think the first no, yeah. What I mean is that it feels like the they try to maybe cram two episodes of the anime into one episode of the live action, but the way that they tell the story doesn't really work as well because of the episodic thing. Now, I, I haven't seen the whole run of the anime, but I'm assuming that even though it's episodic, like a CSI series, uh, there's still things that are dragged from episode to episode so that the ending means something. I like right? that your go-to comparison for Cowboy Vivo is CSI. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. that sounds about uh, You'd have been better. Yeah, I mean, it'd been better off, actually. I think a better comparison would probably be, like, uh, Firefly. Okay. In that. Well, also, tonally, too, in the way the characters are handled. Like, part of what made Firefly great is, you know, all of those characters are, like, flawed and mm-hmm. kind of broken. In their own ways, and that gives them that gives life to their characters. And the weird thing is, like, you had that in the anime, and then in this, it's almost like they'll it's it, they they it's almost like they've just completely yeah, tell told didn't show what all that is. I mean, the first episode you get what like five or six of the church scene flashbacks, which is this big iconic sequence in the original show, mm-hmm. but. What, like it, you know, it, it just became fucking jarring. Like, okay, every five minutes we're gonna show that supposedly aloof John Cho. Oh, he's he's constantly haunted by this thing. Hey, did you notice he's haunted? He's a haunted man. His he's has this is a man with a past. Everyone, and he's yeah. haunted. Did, oh, you might have forgotten. I'm gonna show you this again now. Okay, cool. And it's it's yeah. I mean, it's it kind of it just comes down to be like a parody. In the episodic nature of the anime, that worked because also, I might have the timing wrong, but if I'm not wrong, I think Cowboy Bebop actually really came out before TV shows in general thought they needed to be the MCU, where every episode, yeah, where you needed this run, these running strands, season-long arcs for everything. They had them, but it was more rooted in developing and building the characters so like the 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 conflict between spike and vicious as the fundamental conflict in the story itself it came up when it needed to and it came up when it worked but it wasn't like every other you know every single episode like hey guys we finally caught like you know the, the the carrot top bandit yay oh by the way foreshadowing my enemies coming no it's none of that bullshit now well it it, I also realized that they, uh, and I, I couldn't think of a, a better way to put it, they Michael Scott, the characters. So on the original run of the first episode, the first six episodes of, of the American office, Michael Scott is mean. He, he's, uh, the neck of his shirt is uh, 
like a little bit tighter, so his hat looks more bloated and he's well, hair. Well, he put on weight. Uh, he's trying to do back. Gervais verbatim, yeah. essentially. So he put on like at least 20 pounds, I think. He greased his hair back. He was trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. get Brent character. But the problem there was that he was just kind of an asshole, but not like not 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 funny. So you would you would tune in to do what David Brent to to watch him do what David Brent did, which is just look at this shithead making an ass of himself. Right? What is the next shithead thing he's going to do? In America, after the first season, they softened him up a lot so that people would like him, and he became more of like a like kind of a fool, kind of a goofy. Oops, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm kind of stupid, you know. Uh, instead of the mean guy of the first six episodes, have uh, and I guess that's why it he became such a huge success because he was more palatable, I guess, to middle America or like regular people. Well, that would, was it, a, would be. I remember oh, watching. I remember watching The Office. Like my girlfriend got me into it back in the day. It was one of those shows, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, I love it so much. And I'm like, I yeah. don't want to watch it because of that. And Yeah. Uh, but, no, I remember watching it, and, like, it, it was kind of interesting because, yeah, like, um, oh, what's, oh, what's his fucking name? The actor. I'm, like, spacing. Huh? Steve Perel? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. It's one of those, like, it's like you know, everyone should know that name, except all I'm hearing is, like, Seth Rogen. What? Um <laughs> <laughs> but um no i mean that was actually a really interesting arc there though just in terms of like that first season mm-hmm. like no one was really sure what they were doing yeah and then they fell into their roles this one when you say they kind of michael scotted what we we can say like with spike yeah well because I, on the first episode of the anime spike uh tries to well he i guess he doesn't but he steals a food from a woman that he bumps into. Then you have the Jed character that threatens someone with a broken bottle while holding their head for information mm-hmm. or something. So they're flawed. Like right from the beginning, you can tell that, well, these guys might not be the nice heroes that most shows were present to you, which is what they do in the live action where they're just like, these guys are cool. And look, they're solving a thing. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's just because of, for American audiences, it might be a little bit easier to take, but I liked it a lot more, or I like it a lot more when you show me a character that's, you know, flawed, so that it's more interesting instead of just, you know, trying to be cool, I guess, which is what, what this well, character kinda, feel like they're doing. Yeah. It kind of call, well, calls back to something I think you said earlier, which is like you said, you felt like they tried to maybe cram a, like a couple episodes together. That first episode, strangely enough, um actually combines two episode elements of two episodes and the movie and so the first episode which for a long time i guess was actually like they they wouldn't air it in the u.s because there's a whole scene of what looks like a pregnant woman getting shot through the gut and having like red shit float out of her in space and she dies yeah it was a pretty brutal sequence and for a while i guess they wouldn't show that in the u.s but there's so there's that element like because the original you saw the first episode of the anime so you know how that went down you saw the beats that they took from that what they also took was so the whole casino sequence where like spike walks in with his headphones all nonchalant just kicks the shit out of everyone with guns no problem that's that's actually that they drew that from the movie because the opening scene to that is uh he and jet actually breaking up this like breaking up and arresting this uh crazy dude he's just robbing a convenience store and then he goes on this whole diatribe about how he used to be this guy and 
the system is unfair and shit. And then Jet and Spike show up and don't give a shit and kick shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing they mix that with, though, because that casino sequence, it was hearkening to actually the first episode where you actually meet Faye, where, where you find her at working as a card shark dealer at a casino. And so they crammed, they took all three of these elements and they're like, hey guys, do you remember Cowboy Bebop? Well, we do, we sure do too. Look at all this we got for you. It's going to be great. And there's an old guy who's going to fight some people and they're all going to be overacting. And he's going to look like he wants to go home. <laughs> yeah. I, I, here's a, I, here's I was, a question um, that I, I have real quick. Because uh, Nick, you seem to be the foremost expert on... Uh, Cowboy Dude, I have, I the first pistol I ever bought, I shamelessly bought because I'm like, holy shit, that Spike's gun. And it just <laughs> it's an awesome gun. That's very like 15 year old me wanting to buy a samurai sword from from the Asian <laughs> grocery store because I think it's going to be cool. Um, yep. uh, I watched so, Skylander. I remember that feeling. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, would all right. So they said before this came out, actually, we're going to build upon the lore. And it's going to tie into the series. Did they do that at all? Because here's the thing. I, I, I've i seen Cowboy Bebop, I think, to completion. But I haven't in a long time. And I revisit episodes sporadically. Like, I watched a bunch of the, the anime episodes um, not long after finishing the series about a week ago. The Netflix series. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen the movie a couple of times. But I don't have, like, the... The timeline. There's no way. No, there's no way. There's no way. That that was actually something I was was referencing earlier. Is like when they made the movie, they explicitly said when it was released after the series had concluded. Yes, this takes place during their time together. Um, Don't try and figure out when because we don't have an answer. There's nothing like that here. Like I was just telling Hans, like that first episode crammed together. Uh, which is weird too, because you don't meet Faye until later. But like the cas- the only casino scenes in the series, the ones when you meet Faye, the um, the them walking into break up a robbery. That's the first scene of the movie, which took place in a convenience store. Um, there's like when they say they were building on the lore, it really feels more like they just they got the property, yeah, and then they just got a whole mess of. Writers, um, cheap writers, barely, and and just and just said, okay, here's what you've got to work with. Have at it. We do we remake this or are we are we building on it? Yes, and then it's like the show can't make its mind up whether or not it's trying to like tell new stories that happen in the continuity of this or if it's trying to retell the stories because it does a shit ton of that. I mean, like some of the stories they do. There's the one with, um, there's the one with, uh, what is his name? Hakeem, which is actually, and I got to say too, that casting in terms of like, be, like, at least looking like the anime, there's this bounty they're going after. He's this tall black dude who's a Kung Fu master. And for some reason he's got this like shimmer on that causes him to look like this long haired white ginger guy. And Okay, so that kind of harkens back to some beats in the series. Um, there's an episode where they're hunting this tall black dude who's actually had plastic surgery to make him look like that because he previously looked like a scrawny white guy. And he stole a dog who was supposed to be, like, you know, genetically modified and all this. And this one, they just make it, he's just stealing dogs from rich people. And he was going to kill them, but he can't because 
dogs are cute. Like, what the fuck? It's like, a very Dennis the Menace kind of storyline they implemented. Michael Vick. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's so dumb. I watched, like, actually before, because I was I had to catch up. Here's, here's how, like, and this is as a, as a fan, as I said so much, like, I've got, I've got Spike's gun. I even actually found a matted frame. I was bored one day, so I cut the, um, uh, and it's cool art, like on the, on the DVD cover. Like I cut the DVD cover off because DVD was garbage and done anyway. So I just put that in a frame. I'm like, art. Um, so I'm a big fan, right? I fell asleep the first time I was watching the series. And then when I was catching up and trying to catch up on what I missed for this conversation, I fell asleep again. It's, even though it's exciting, even though there's jumpy, flippy action from time to time, even like the fight sequences, they feel so, it's like, it's beat for beat with that. It's like, it it's looks slow. like a dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not fighting, they're dancing. It's like, wah, oh, he, ha, he, ha, who, ha. Like, no. Even the anime had the decency to show this guy kicking people in the fucking teeth. You know? Uh, give me that. There's well, me blood this. too. Yeah, there's a lot. Good. There's a lot of violence on the live action one, but there's no blood at all. So you people get shot and you don't see. And they just well, that's not true. Shot, I guess. Here's what I noticed: there was some blood that was on a card table that looked like it was just freshly rendered out uh, with like Nintendo 64 <laughs> graphics. It was literally just nice. resting on the carpet of the table. And I was like, there's literally no need for that. They could have just sprinkled a, a little bit of fake no. blood. That, that, there you go. No, there's blood. I can give you a better example of blood in the live action. Faye gets shot in the shoulder with a large caliber revolver. It gives her this tiny little speck here. You don't see an exit wound. She's bleeding out, but she can fucking wield the fucking right arm like nothing happened. Because, you know, bullets, they are. So it turns out shoulder bones are bullet resistant in this universe because you can get shot right in the shoulder and your arm works fine so you can run into a bar. Well, see, I, then... I, I thought it blew her tits off, and that's why she was so flat-chested <laughs> compared to the very busty cartoon. See, that was, that was one of the, that was, this is one of the things I hate about media and culture criticism in general, though. Because, like, I honestly sat down wanting to like this, and there were some things I found that I did like, you know, I'd watch like a sequence or two and I'd be like, all right, I like that. Or like mm-hmm. a moment of someone's performance. Like I said, I think Faye's, I think the actress who plays Faye wasn't given a lot to work with. But what she was given, she did a good, as good a job as anyone could fucking do with it. I mean, I enjoyed seeing her on screen. I'd be like, all right, except and then like they dragged this random like here's her fake mother. It's like that didn't happen in the show. Who thought that oh, was yeah. a good idea? <laughs> Why did you incorporate this? There were far more interesting storylines. You could have failed the copy correctly in the original canon. Your your writers could have even been, been even lazier than they were. Was that like the days when like management showed up and like you guys working hard? Like yeah, boss. What are you, oh, what are you up to? Oh, we made we 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 retconned a bunch of shit. We know you love that, don't you? Yeah, well, uh, that's they have eight. I just looked it up. They had eight different writers for the whole series. Uh, the the thing that I don't understand about that is that okay, so you want to have a a big cast of writers that you hired for this show for whatever reason, then the the whole anthology part or the, the episodic part I think would work better that way if they want to have like their own little story. But if you're trying to tell a story that's continuous, that's supposed to you know every episode supposed to lead to the other one, having eight different heads writing all of those things, and maybe that's why it feels so disjointed. That- and- 
Pat, yeah, that's no, that's a great point actually, because like, like thinking back just on the shit I had to watch again today, it really does feel like it was written by committee. There's like, right. there's, there's no sense of genuine like, and it's weird because like there is like this underlying sense that like the people working on it, like I'm gonna say even probably John Show, most of the most of the cast, right, genuinely love the fact that they got to be a part of Cowboy Bebop, and because when you're shooting something, you've got no idea how it's gonna look at the end, right. But then there's this, like, disjointed, like, yeah, by committee feel. It feels like, okay, so this scene was clearly written by, like, nine people around a conference room table while Imagine Dragons played in the background or some (laughs) shit. I think it's because there was so much pressure to get this right that they thought, all right, well, we'll we'll throw in a bunch of people to kind of filter to make sure everything is good. And then it just wound up getting fucked up. I think if you would just uh, look, if you would let one person handle the script and direction and yeah, they're going to mutilate it a little bit. They're going to do their own thing with it. It would have been in a much better. I, I, it would have been, it would have just wound up much better than what we wound up getting, which felt like a mid two thousands, like cable procedural disguised as a Netflix show. And Cowboy Bebop. Anytime, yeah, like the most common thing I've heard said about it is it looks like a, like a YouTube fan film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking is. And honestly, you can get better Cowboy Bebop film out of King Vader. Like he did Hood. He, you never heard of him? No, I haven't no. heard of King Vader. Who oh, Jesus. You got to follow his ass on Twitter. This guy, like, he self, you know, he like started like just backyard filmmaking like anyone, right? And his production value keeps going up and up. But yeah, he makes like, he just makes fan films of his favorite shit. He's like a talented martial artist. And his friends are too. They're half decent actors. They've done fucking boatloads of like Dragon Ball videos that like when you watch them, you're like, holy shit, this is actually good. And his, yeah, he did Hood Cowboy Bebop where it's just like he's Spike, but sure. Like my biggest gripe with it is like, why are you carrying a 1911? That's supposed to be a Jericho 941. The fuck? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, when I hear criticism, like, yeah, this looks like a YouTube fan film. It's like, yeah, it really does, actually. Well, I think that's mainly like... on the costumes. I mean, costume design in film and in television, especially when you're going with, like, a period piece or anything that requires, I guess, a more explosive or uh, two-dimensional look, winds up looking super artificial these days because... People just aren't really, they're not looking to mesh that with something that's actually functional for fashion. Um, hmm. And they go with the most it's uh, like cartoonish the approach. Said, I'm so happy you said you were reminded of the Joel Schumacher Batman era. Because I got that vibe too. Because it's weird too when I think like, all right, this is the guy who directed A Time to Kill. Like he's not a joke director. Right. But but you can see clearly, like, when he got, you know, given the reins of Batman, he's like, okay, I want to make a zany comic book movie. Like, I remember Batman when I was young. And it just, yeah, I mean, you get fucking, you get Clooney, and you get Bat nipples, and, you know, Bat credit cards and shit. And that's yeah, what... the, the, the ice skating fight scene, that's very, oh, it feels very that feels very it much feels... like the... Like the fights here at Cabo like it's very, it's much more of a dance than a fight. Uh, that has, yeah, a lot, made it feel a lot like that. Uh, 
I think one of the biggest problems with the writing too is that I, I don't know if the uh, direction they were given was uh, just think of Chuck Lorre writing Cowboy Bebop and that's it. <laughs> because every character has like a very uh, Big Bang Theory retort to the things they say. Like everyone's very quippy and very yes. clever and they have something ready to, to come back with. And it's just, that's not how people talk. This is that, not a conversation actually, at all. Yeah, and you didn't you didn't actually really have as much of that. Like, yeah, you had some good quippy bangers in the anime, but they were spread out. Kind of like you were saying with Faye's constant swearing. It's like, like I mean, I remember I used to try and teach my own kid, like, not to swear. Not because it was rude, but I'm like, all right, you hear these, like, you know, you hear your average fucking scumbags around Manchester and every word, they every other word is fuck with them, right? Because, yeah, I'm like, does that mean anything to you then? No. Now, if you don't say fuck all the time, and then you suddenly drop an F-bomb in front of your friends, they're like, whoa, this person means what they're saying now. They don't talk like that. And it's, yeah, it's an over, it's it's this, like, everything about, I think a good way to describe the Cowboy Bebop live action, it's overabundant. Mm-hmm. Everything was, like, they literally just dumped everything. And there was, like, no bad ideas in the writer's room, apparently. Like, what do you hey, let's what do you going. think they're gonna do with this now because I, i'm assuming this was probably a hit just because of people's curiosity and we know that their system is well if you watch like five seconds of it that counts as a view that's actually the most popular show in the history of television i'm i'm sure people tuned in in droves for this but i, I mean even the critical reception they tried to soften that a bit and even still, like I think it's at like fifty-eight percent or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes, which should be realistically, this is like a thirty-three percent for yeah, series. Yeah, like thirty-five maybe. It's below the level of quality of like a CW superhero show in terms of the writing and performances, in my opinion, anyway. Um, what do you think they do? Do you think they just ignore what everybody is saying about the show, or do you think they're going to do like the Suicide Squad for season two? It's like, all right, we're going to revamp the whole thing. It's going to have a different tone. <laughs> We're going to put we in maybe you. filmmaker. Yeah. The Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> the Cowboy you can, Bebop. You can, yeah. stop, you can stop shouting on the internet. We heard you. Um, see, this is, the, like, this is the difficult thing is like, even when I was considering, like, you know, when you asked me to come on and talk about this too, and when I was watching it, and when I'm watching, when I was watching the show today, when I was watching it the other day too, I actually did have to kind of like check myself a couple times. Not to the point where I'm like, actually, this is a great show and I'm an idiot, but more just I'm like, okay, what is it like I'm actually expecting as a big fan of the original? Right. And how easy could, how easy would it be for them to actually make it to the mark? Because you take some shit, like, I mean, you know, 2016 Ghostbusters, right? You could tell no one involved with that really gave a fuck about, you know, Ghostbusters as a, and I hate to use the word mm-hmm. canon because it was just, it was a lark of a movie. Yeah, it wasn't like this. They, they didn't set out to make a cinematic masterpiece there. But it, it's one of those things like you watch some of these reboots and remakes and you see you can just tell right off the bat. No one like they, they don't give a shit about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You look at the new Dune film. You're like, all right, they really gave a shit about what they're doing. They tried very hard to do as best as they could. And they did a good job. This one felt the Bebop felt like everyone really wanted to do a good job with it. I don't think, I mean, even John Cho, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not impressed with his performances, Spike, but I'm not going to say he phoned it in. I'm just going to say he didn't hit the mark. My hope is 
just as when I heard that they were making this, and I had the same idiot hope as a Doctor Who fan when they cast Jodie Whittaker and brought Chris Chibnall back. And I know you're not, that's not your area, but. No, it's certainly not. Nope. Okay, too, but yeah. <laughs> no, but it, well, it's one of these things like, you know, like within a fandom, if, if you love a body of work, you want to see it done right. And I was, I'm always kind of, I'm usually one of those hope for the best types. And then I'm like, I mean, Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall pretty much killed the 50 year old franchise. So with Doctor Who, I look at this, I see a mess that doesn't seem like it's a, like a cash grab mess as much as it is just, no one is really sure what the fuck they were doing. And I'm sure if they bring it back for a second season, I'm really, really hopeful that everyone involved is open to the legit criticism because i mean you got a bunch of like honestly it did bring out a bunch of like you know like the the, the sad reddit virgins were like they don't show enough big titties with the fake character and that's what i like about her and it's like you can get over that okay give me a good character and a good story if they come back in a second season and they actually listen to the real feedback i think maybe they could pull something together like I hate to say it, but recast Vicious or just like tell the dude to just whisper most of his lines and not emote. Yeah, don't be like Tommy Lee Jones's Two-Face in Cowboy Bebop. They don't deliver a 10 every single time. You can bring it down to a 3 and mm-hmm. it might be okay. Um, yeah, I, I see, here's the thing. It feels very, I mean, we've been talking about the Schumacher factor here, but it does feel bad in like a 90s way. Oh yeah, I, no. You know what I was? You know what I was thinking about today? I don't know why, but when I was watching for some fucking reason, do you remember the RoboCop TV show? I do. Prime Directive, I think it was called. Oh God, I mean, yeah, it was like we're talking like late nineties, <laughs> no, mid to late nineties. I guess this is around like Batman the Animated Series was still on. I remember. I remember watching it as a kid. No, it's just like, and this is like when I'm all ADD'd out and just like running around high on sugar and caffeine. And it's like, RoboCop's on. Cool. I'm going to run around and play with toys. And hey, RoboCop's still on. Oh, RoboCop's over. Okay, I wonder what's on. I got that vibe. I was like, holy shit, this feels like RoboCop the series. Like, this feels, this feels like, um, shit, I think, oh, oh, my God, did they try and do a Crow show? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did do the Crow as well. Um, there was well, I have a better a string of uh, sequels. Bet- yeah. Oh, my There's God, a- do you have one worse than that? The director of this, or at least directed five episodes of it, he is executive producer of Birds of Prey. Remember oh, the, that the Birds WB of Prey show. TV show? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Listen, when there were no Batman movies coming out. WB show? Yeah, it was very short-lived. It was about 12 episodes. And it came out, I think, in 2001 or 2002. Whoa. They, okay. They, uh, they decided to throw that on and, and test the waters very early before even, like, maybe Smallville was out during that time. Mm-hmm. And they decided, well, maybe we'll do a Gotham City one. And they got, for the first episode, they brought out the Joker, and he was out of focus. And they had, like, a stand-in, and they got the voice of Mark Hamill for that character. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to check out every episode of this show. I can't wait for the Joker to come back. He never came back. That was the end. Of oh, it. yeah, it was just a shot. It was just, like, a blurry image from yep. someone. And it's just right. voice. There were no Batman villains except in the season finale, which I don't even think was supposed to be the season finale. It just got canceled. It was Clayface, but yeah. they just got some like Italian guy with a like just a little bit of whatever on his, on his face. Yeah, he was he was in prison. He had like a weird accent and everything. And I was just like, "This is what I did twelve weeks for." I, I, God damn, I had no idea that even happened. Now, 
Like this is like because I remember was it I want to say it was Bruce Campbell played the Flash in the nineties, right? No, that was John Wesley Ship. You're thinking Bruce Bruce Campbell had a show around the same time that WB produced. I think it was on the same network called like the Briscoe Kid of County. Briscoe County. Oh, Briscoe County Junior. Yeah, I remember that. Was, yeah, yeah. Of Briscoe County Junior. I watched that show. I liked that. It. Was great. Yeah. That show was great. It was so uh, dumb. I love Bruce Campbell. No, well, this I love is Bruce Campbell, but yeah. Well, this is, I mean, what's interesting is we're talking about these different shows, right? And we can see the difference between obvious, like, all right, let's see if we can produce this property to make money versus, like, let's give a real try at making something here. And it's kind of sad because I feel like this, this bebop thing, like, kind of almost falls in the middle, leaning a bit towards more towards cash grab. It feels more like too many cooks in the kitchen. Studio wants to hit these notes, all this shit. But I do still weirdly get this genuine sense that the people who are really directly involved in its creation really wanted to do it. No, I think that's completely the case. I don't think anyone wanted to fuck this up, especially in the way that they have fucked it up. Uh, certainly not the cast. I think the cast thought, oh, we're, we're part of something really special with this. And it just didn't go that way. I, I, unfortunately, I think from the top down, it was just people who had the wrong intentions when handling this property and they mangled it first of all what is it i don't i don't what even think it should be a series adaptation? can well i mean can i mean can you name an anime adaptation off the top of your head or a general that works that, that um, worked dragon ball the magic begins <laughs> chinese <laughs> bootleg uh no um that's i mean look i kind of didn't mind aspects of the death note adam wingard one because they give up on it being death note like three quarters of the way in and just like yeah fuck it well you know what we're uh we're just gonna make this into adam wingard film and we're going to do 80s pop music and forget everything about the, who cares about the property. We're just going to do our own thing. I don't mind that, but it's clearly not like a good adaptation of Death Note. Um, you, know, you know, it would be funny. They could actually have, I don't know if you've ever heard of the film, but uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Yes. Yeah. I, I've yeah watched imagine that. them adapt. If they adapted that live action, that would either like that would either be like one of the most like horrifying experiences or it would be like Schindler's List level Oscar bait. I think there actually might be. I, th I think they may have done it already in uh, Japan. Oh, okay. I feel like there's two, there has to be two versions of that, I believe. I could be misremembering. Um, th maybe the closest thing that comes to mind is uh, they did a live action adaptation of uh, Jinro the Wolf Brigade called Elon the Wolf Brigade in Korea. And that wasn't even a good movie, but it visually looked pretty good. Well, they, uh, there's I mean, a. There is a Grave of the Fireflies live action movie from 2005. I, from when? Uh, 2005. Okay, I thought so. Also, uh, Old Boy is a manga, right? No, there's no anime of that, though. That doesn't count. Oh, anime. Right, right. Yeah, the Korean, no, the Koreans, Koreans don't do it that way, too. I mean, like, it's pretty much a Japanese thing when it's like they go from manga to anime. What about Detective Pikachu? <laughs> yep you're right you nailed it that's what 80 percent on rotten tomatoes that's the first one there you go i still can't believe that movie's better reviewed than sonic i to this day and this is a weird thing for me to say even now but we i remember like i sat down to have like a viewing party on discord with like friends of my show and i randomly i'm like all right I, I have acquired sonic the movie if this sucks within 10 minutes, we can watch something else. Otherwise, we can just make fun of it. 10 minutes in, there's like 
a dozen of us and we're sitting silently watching the Sonic movie and it's like, hey, this is better than it should be. This is, I'm confused. Why are there decent jokes? Why is the pacing working? Why do I give a shit about this cartoon squirrel thing? Dean Marks and uh, vehicles. Yeah, he fucking killed it. I mean, I still <laughs> get a chuckle when I think about like they're heading to the roof for, you know, because the plot needs to happen. And they're like, is that a child in your bag? He's like, oh, don't worry, it's not mine. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> right there. And it's like, you know, this can add a, And then I think, like, all right, so, like, video game adaptations. I think I've got... Yeah, I think Sonic and... I can I can rewatch Mario for nostalgia's sake. The Super Mario Brothers from 1993? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I watched... Mean, there was a... There, I mean, it, I guess it's fun. a work print. It's it, you know what it's it has a lot of visual flair to it and good production design, and and everyone looks like they're having fun and it, it's a fun movie it's it's cotton candy I mean there's nothing there's no there's no gristle or really well, anything to it. Let me tell you something that's not true because Bob Hoskins said my biggest regret was playing Mario and the Mario. Movie. I wish <laughs> I could take that back. Apparently John Leguizamo was also like a big shot on set just trying to like alpha everybody because he was at like the top of his career. And um, the directing uh, duo, Matt, I think, oh. was a was a married couple, if I remember correctly, and they were apparently just bickering throughout the entire shoot, and it would fuck up <laughs> the flow of everybody doing takes. Uh, um, but somehow, you know, I watched it again. It visually, it, it's an impressive piece of art. I'll say that. Fun and hey, stupid. Yeah. Speed Racer. Yeah. Forgot about Speed Racer. Speed Racer is pretty good. Sure. Yeah. The Wachowski. I enjoy Speed Racer. Yeah. Would well, they? Is, would it have been were... better if the Wachowskis did this in two thousand seven? You know, I think I could bring us actually back around to Bebop again, though, because to a certain extent, like so many, like so much of like the set piece action to the show, you know, it it it's it's I'd almost call it kind of gratuitous to the point where like, and again, you can kind of tell like there aren't enough there there are too many people and no one's paying enough attention. The rooftop kung fu pole fight. Between Spike and um, uh, Hakeem, yeah, um, which itself was, yeah, it's like okay, you're dancing, great, but there's a whole secret. He drops his gun behind the bar, right? This is almost like an anti-Chekhov's gun thing. He like gets knocked over, which the real Spike like this really wouldn't happen. I mean, he drops his gun behind the bar. You never, that's never addressed. He just runs after the bad guy, has a fist fight with him on the roof, and then gets pulled, like, gets his life saved, and then everything's back. It's like, okay, so hang on. Like, he didn't actually collect his weapon. And I'm like, okay, well, I can forgive that. And then they got a sniper scene randomly, which is dumb, too, because it's like, you can just kill this bad guy right now who you fucking hate, who ruined your life. No, you're not going to. And you're going to leave this bolt-action AR-15. You're going to let him know that you know he's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm just like, what the fuck? First, that's the other thing, too, is I see we see him assemble the sniper rifle. Maybe it's, I'm sure it's a real rifle, but I'm like, all right, why did you get a thing that looks like an AR? And it looks, I believe it looked like it was magazine fed, but it's a bolt action for the effect, right? Mm. Just because the movie, yeah, because the movie needs it. Like, and it's just, and then he gets up and just walks away and just leaves this, like, this. obviously expensive rifle behind when he's got seven bucks in his pocket and 
like you're not paying attention to what's going on writers like let's gotta follow your own story i just finished a novel and i'm like having to go back and i'm like i fucked up shit i said in the beginning this guy's office was on this floor and then i said it was on a different floor later i need to fix that for something called what's that c word con con continuity continuity fuck i'm sorry i get a little emotional (laughs) who would you have cast uh as opposed to john cho and the the other two for these if let's assume you know the right parties come together and do a let's ignore that this ever happened okay the the slate is clear who is your version of spike spiegel with like modern actors the ages that they are uh, let's you know what? Let's make it pretty wide open and say just about anybody, past, present, future, any rendition of any actor. Why the fuck? Well, that was weird. For some reason, my brain—I think it's the part that hates me—said, "You know, I better, I better sleeper hit for this could be Nicholas Holt." And I'm like, Wait, "Why would you think that?" Well, he's Renfield um, now, isn't he? They just announced him and Nick Cage are doing a Dracula movie for the monster oh, universe yeah. of Universal Films. Yeah. Are you excited for it's that, Hans? Nicholas Cage is yeah. They're still doing the Monster Universe? They're, they've been trying so desperately to get something going with that. They're like, there's money to be made here, but we just can't figure out how to do it. Tom Cruise is going to be one of the mummies or something. Maybe that'll do it. Uh, what if, no what about Wolfman with Ryan Gosling? Wolfman. All right, no, not quite. All right. Mm, what, what do we got? Dracula. Three versions of Dra- Dracula Untold. Nick Cage Dracula. Bella Lugosi, we'll, we'll do a CG Bella Lugosi, maybe. Just doughy face. If they were opiumatic, if they were gonna, if they were gonna let him do vampires kiss Nicolas Cage, I would be excited because it, it's such a wild performance. And if they were going that route, yeah. But he's gonna play straight Dracula uh, oh. and uh, Nicolas Cage, right? Yes. You know so what? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I like him. I like him recently a lot more than I did before because I've been just rewatching his movies. But you know, he was supposed to play uh, Max. What, what, was, what was the actor's name? Uh, I think it was Max Shrek who played Nosferatu. He was supposed to play him in the um, the one with Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich that came. Shadow out. of the Vampire. Uh, Shadow of the yeah. Vampire. Yeah, I, th- I remember. That. I love that film. I think he settled yeah, for an executive that's... producer credit or something. Said, "All right, Willem can play." <laughs> This, this, yeah, this it looks exactly like. I know, perfect. So, well, Jay, I think I have an answer actually to your original question there. Though mm-hmm. it took me a minute because, like, I was like racking my brain. I'm like, I don't fucking know. But I think, honestly, and this is this might sound a little weird. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt could play okay. Spike if he if he could sort of reprise. Well, if he was younger, because that guy's got like he's got wrinkles like old shoes yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but uh. But no, Inception, specifically Inception. Uh, I think we're going to say Third Rock from the Sun, Joseph. Yeah, no, no. That's a little too young. It's a little uh, on the young side. Amos Yee would love it. um, (laughs) Damn, that's a throwback uh, reference to what, 27? Isn't he in prison now? Oh, he just got arrested arrested today or yesterday. I wonder what for. I can can Uh, only imagine. I mean, like you know, click on my link, and you like you, the, what you'll find will shock you. Um, no, you don't want to. You don't want uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt from Don John, where he's just like a Jersey Shore guy oh, playing. Yeah, Spike no, you get Spiegel. Tony Danza to play Spike Spiegel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, just like actually, I just get like actually, it'll just end up being Nicolas Cage. Like I gave up on being a superhero. <laughs> I just want to play anything now. Yeah, whatever happens, happens. Actually, it's more like Owen Wilson, right? Wow, Owen Wilson plus. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because he has to be very charismatic, right? It's got to be charismatic, but it's got to be su- it's got to be play it's subdued. Subtle. Right, right, yeah. right. So, like, natural charisma, not what John Show did, which it was trying. Natural charisma, natural-born killers. How about Woody Harrelson? Give him a, give him a good old wig, and he you can bring play him anything. Hey, remember that real the, the, the carnage at the end of Venom, the first yes. one, where he had the little <laughs> orphan Annie wig? That's what you do. You just dye it black. It can work out. Oh, yeah. My pick would be, I would go with... Uh, 1970s long goodbye era Elliot Gould. I think that is the closest character you get to a Spike Spiegel in a film uh, just in terms of tone, vibe kind of cool but not too cool for the room like yeah, a Jewish Spike up. Spiegel yeah, Ju- well very Jewish we're going to leave it to it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great yeah. well, I, what, I think it work I think part of what also and I think part of what actually makes that really a difficult sort of question to answer in general though is also that if mo- most of us i'm personally most familiar with the the, uh, the dubbed version of cowboy bebop mm-hmm. and normally i prefer subtitles but the voice acting that they got specifically uh, steve bloom yeah um and like it's it's it is like that voice itself becomes iconic like that like the tone and the voice and the delivery that he put into spike on the in the original anime the you know the adapted anime um basically told you everything you needed to know about the character and to match that it's it's like that that was the thing that impressed me with the actor who played jet was his his tone his cadence his syntax everything he sounded like jet he acted like jet like, he really got that role. He fucking nailed it. And I'm thinking, like, well, okay, but I'm thinking he nailed... So he nailed this role, A, that I love from this thing that I'm going to be really protective of because I'm a fan. But also, he's matching the tonality to this character as it was done in a different medium. And I think it's because such a high bar was set in that medium that to sort of cross over that. It's not like DC, it's not like DC or Marvel shit where you can just say... Yeah, this is the voice. Thinking Chris Evans is Captain America. We're all just like, well, of course he is. We don't know what he sounds like. You try and do that with something like Bebop, where like it's not a comic thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an actual cartoon. And you're just like, okay, well, this, this doesn't sound or feel anything like that character. Maybe, maybe if you could actually have gotten '90s era McConaughey to do a slightly ch- more chipper Rust Cole you could have had a decent spike. Hmm. Maybe. That's, I, I haven't heard McConaughey suggested as Spike Spiegel before. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting pick. Could he do like a, a more neutral cadence? Because I feel like it's just so that Southern well, Charm is baked into the voice. Yeah, but if you watch The Dark Tower, you can see he can do like, he can do a role with no spirit or cadence whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, you can watch him do uh, girl. Uh, what is it? Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, and he's he's pretty <laughs> spiky in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fool's Gold. Uh, he's very spiky. Damn, Fool's Gold. Wow, you're really kind of deep. <laughs> Hans, what about you? Who would you cast as Spike? I um, 
I don't know. I something about the this casting though uh, made me a little bit uncomfortable uh, regarding the dialogue because when you watch an anime, uh, unless they make the rays very obvious, like Mr. Popo, like you mentioned, um, I don't really watch anime and think, oh, this person is Chinese, this person this, this person is other, this person whatever. Once you switch that to live action and one of the actors is Chinese or Japanese or Korean or whatever he's supposed to be and everyone else is normal. When Jet tells him, go eat your noodles, it's kind of racist. I was like, oh, wait a second. That doesn't really work that well here because you don't look the same. In the anime, everyone's neutral. So it's like, of course, he eats noodles. He's Japanese or whatever. That It makes sense. They eat that. But here, when they had the whole noodles thing, I was like, all right, we get it. He's Asian. Like, why? <laughs> why is it so much focus put on this man and his noodles? And it's from that, from keeping, I guess, that character loyal to being Asian, even though no one else in the anime and the live action is Asian, at least that I saw. Uh, so I guess if you if you're going to keep that, if you're not going to turn it into just like a regular white actor, it's difficult because it feels like Hollywood only likes two Asian actors, him and the Walking Dead guy, right? Can you think of any other young-ish Asian actors that lead movies right now? I think those are the and and the other the, the I can't even think of his fucking name and he does like independent movies. I guess that's the only reason why. Oh, he's Steve like, Yoon, you're he, talking about. Yeah, maybe, oh, maybe yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. what was his name? Henry Golding, but he's cast as basically like a white guy and everything. I think he gets. I mean, he was in the the Kingsman, the uh, not the Kingsman, the Gentleman, the what was it? Guy Ritchie film. Oh, uh, he's done. Oh yeah, that was like the actually I heard that was like that didn't really. It wasn't well received in general, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've um, I've heard uh, people who watched it enjoyed it, but it definitely did not do well uh, critically. People had some problems oh, okay. with it. Well, All right, how, I about, mean, how about this? Uh, you do uh, camera tricks to make Jackie Chan look taller and have a young Jackie Chan. Young play Jackie Spike Chan. Spiegel. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess stop his voice. <laughs> well, you, you brought. Well, I mean, you did bring up the noodles thing, and this again is like my my fanboy coming out. Um, but it's like I mean, so one of the things is like, and it was interesting because it was kind of Blade Runner esque um, in this. It's kind of dystopian future of Cowboy Bebop in the anime, uh, especially on Mars. There's like a very heavy Chinese influence, and Spike is rolling around eating noodles and drinking whatever garbage Chinese fucking booze they drink and like these like that has that like that cultural side of things is actually kind of it's in continuity and it's just kind of sad though because this thing is such a mess that you wouldn't know otherwise right. like you could have even watched it and be like oh okay you're going for that blade runner cyberpunk 2077 dollar huh okay then like well yeah that's what it was doing to begin with but yeah yeah it could look like a dumb cash grab by people who don't know what they're doing otherwise I think one of the most egregious things, though, I didn't actually, because, like, I had to rewatch it because, like, I kept falling asleep. I did actually skip forward, and I watched, like, the ending of the last episode of this season to see their interpretation of Radical Edward, which... Oh, yes, which... Uh, that's, uh, that is probably the most Joel Schumachery uh, of the... Jarring. Garish. The little boy at the end. He's, it's a girl, but, yeah. Oh, it's a girl. Okay. Well, no, actually, that, I mean, I'm glad they got that right, because, like, you don't even know if Ed is a boy or a girl in the show until, like, it, like it's spoken aloud, like, seven, like, six episodes after some shit. But 
this round-faced potato really gave it her all. I'm going to really, I'm, and I don't mean to be insulting, but she, I mean, she gave it her all, but it just didn't fucking work. Hey, is that Lena Dunham? <laughs> no, it's, it's her sister. Right. <laughs> Hence, like, you know, the wild look in the eyes. Yeah, now, Ed is a character, like, Ed's almost a character that I, I'd almost say, like, you don't want to try. You don't want to try to do this. It's not, nothing you can do will work. I mean, you, I mean, maybe if you take an elephanting from maybe like 2012 and just like pushed a whole bunch of Adderall into her face, yeah, then you might have, you might get kind of close to something that might work. But this thing was garish. Kubrick's, Kubrick's Cowboy Bebop. I did make you excited for season two. I didn't even see the whole thing, and I was like, is this how they're going to end this season? Okay, that's yeah, cool, I guess. Yeah, there's the full, a full team, full yeah. roster coming together. You get Ayn. You're not excited about that? Dog. Oh, my God. Also, they fucked that up, too, because the dog's supposed to be, like, hyper-intelligent, and no one knows, and that's kind of a gag. But, oh, no, in this one, it's just a dog and it's oh you look at you you happen to push the right button for me it's like okay where's kevin McAllister? we need some more uh, you know we need some more we need some more plot convenience here i um, i did like some of the gadgets though I, even though a lot of it looked very cheap uh some of the um I, what, what would you call it like they're the way they would communicate with each other they're they're yeah the gadgets they use some of them look very, very retro futuristic which was kind of cool and if I can say something positive about the show, I enjoyed some of that. And I also like that at least the directors tried. I don't know if they succeeded uh, with it, but they tried to give it a different look than a regular whatever show. So they did a lot of split screen. They do a lot of Dutch angle shots that don't really work most of the yeah. time. Oh, kind too, of too many Dutch angle shots. That's literally <laughs> yeah. like the primary go-to angle that they apply yeah. for any given scene but I, but I feel like that also comes from not having just one vision for everything where uh, they're trying to do too many different things to make it different but then it becomes too weird I don't want to say too weird because I do like weird experimental things but I, I, a lot of the time I was just sitting there thinking why is this the shot like this is such an odd right. it, it, it's just disjointed shot. and cheap that's that's all it really is. I, I, I don't think it... I mean, actually, this just came to mind real quick. Uh, Nick, what did you think of this new Fearless twist? He's at, His name's oh, really God. Fearless. How, how about that? <laughs> that's a cool name, is Fearless. No, I know. This is what I mean when I, when, when I say that it does feel like, like they... So they had this, like, team of eight writers, like, probably fresh out of community college or something. And... They're just like they're like this is this is the this is the this is what you get this is the end result of the no bad ideas mentality because that was needless and stupid and what the fuck I mean and, and you go back if you go and watch like the original show all of them everyone's calling him Spike that's his name in fact you could almost infer from the fact that his last name is Spiegel and he's got like bushy fucking hair. He might be Jewish. Mm -hmm. Wow, shocker! My people getting represented in all kinds of media these days. But 
it was like, why? His name was Fearless. Shut the fuck up. No, it wasn't. That why did who thought that was like what it doesn't serve the plot at all. Cool. It serves no purpose. Yeah. It was just so it's, cool it's a hip Anglo Saxon name, Fearless. And there's like, yeah, there's the reaction to it. The reaction to it was like oh, that what? you said who that the hell word? are you? What? <laughs> It's like a Duke Nukem game. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's up there. It's it's. I think honestly, I think the the fearless thing is right up there with them deciding, like, you know, we need, you know, make vicious a really terrifying villain is um, a lot of sincere emotion. That's what we need from our guy. It's named Vicious because he cuts people with his sword and he runs a tuna factory. Fuck, apparently, and uh, yeah. Let's make him. Let's make him feel more. That'll humanize him. What do we do with Spike? We can give him a new name that he never had and didn't need. <laughs> how else? How else could you come up with a backstory where he killed for this syndicate? If, if not giving him a cool name of a killer, <laughs> I guess oh, I don't know. That's, it's so bad. That's another plot fucking continuity thing i was thinking about bothered me earlier so he's got his like greatest enemy at the end of a scope yeah and he can clip him any old time right and he decides not to this is the same guy who in previous episodes we watched mercilessly just plug unarmed people (laughs) that he beat in a fist fight and he just like empties mags into them and looks at them like why did you waste my time with that and then it's like, ah, oh, now I have my greatest enemy here. I'm just going to, no, I'm going to leave this gun. I want to walk away from the gun because symbolism. I'm he, the good guy. He does the Nicolas Cage shrug from Face Off when, in the first episode <laughs> when, when he beats up a guy and he's trying to get information and the guy's like, fuck you. And he's like, all right. He just shrugs and like shoots him like six, seven times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it feels like an odd choice for him to, you know, the guy that you hate the most, the guy that took your woman, right? That's what I, I that's what I got from the three episodes because they kind of mention it at the end. Sure. Uh, that's the guy that, yeah, I'm just gonna let him live. And and now he's chained up by the girl, and and Spike survived that fall. I does. I, any Don't of this transcend being so bad that it becomes enjoyable for either no. of you guys? Because for me, I I steam fro- steamrolled through the entire thing, and I felt nothing. I could recognize, wow, this is cringe acting. This is really bad uh, chroma key backgrounds. But I just felt nothing at all for the characters, for what I had on screen. It might as well have been like a, a log, 10-hour screensaver from YouTube just playing i think that i think that's that's why it reminded me of a chuck lorry show uh you you don't have and this is something that the anime does in the first five minutes i think which is just hey show them doing something that's not plot related so they're eating i think he's having like some snacks or something and they're just bantering with each other just talking about whatever because they know no that was the one yeah he's uh we actually no we're introduced to spike he's doing martial arts and zero g there Jet's right. cooking in a walk, and then like they bicker because he's like, "It's bell peppers and beef." And, like, there's no beef in here, and they're right. bickering about being broke and not having any meat. Yeah. Well, but in that's this the fact one, that you 
you get Jet playing with the bidets and he doesn't know how to use a bidet. And it's, you know, it's a very charming sequence. We really love these characters afterward. And then Faye rushes in and she's yeah. like, ah, what is you know, this? The Marx oh, Brothers cool. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I think it's the opposite of so bad it's good in the sense that, like, you almost feel bad because you can see effort was applied we could say that that's like if i was a critic that's what i'd like my little my little quote on the on the dvd box set <laughs> it was in the trailer effort was applied. <laughs> <laughs> there was clearly effort at some point you know but it's it's one of these things like and again i mean i want to take i, I don't you know and jay you know me i'm a pretty nihilistic dude in general so i'm not one to be an optimist typically about sure. anything but um I want to be optimistic about this and that I want them to come back with a second season where they're like, okay, this is, we can see where we fucked up because we've seen this in TV shows before, like a first season of absolute garbage and sure. gold. I'd love to see that. Do I think it's going to happen? Oh God, I'm getting gassy just thinking about it. Um, no, I don't think it'll happen. And that's the sad thing. Because I'd like it to be bad, or if it, or no, I'd like it to be good. And if it can't be good, I'd like it to be so bad that it's good. But you have a good point too- in that. I mean, if you take a look at any series, usually the first episode is pretty not great, and the first season of anything that I at least let's consider like a pre AMC, pre Breaking Bad, Mad. Like we'll, we'll put HBO uh, in a different column because up to a point, you know that sort of season-long arc idea didn't trickle into regular right it didn't trickle into normal television up until breaking bad and mad men so prior to that time right Mm. on and off it depends Oz, sure but that's hbo right so okay i'll say yeah let's remove premium cable from that equation so up until then you get like nypd blue miami vice alias a, sure, Alias, yeah, damn. That is a ABC callback I wasn't expecting tonight. Uh, Victor Garber on Alias, great. Man, I mean, I didn't know people could, like, I didn't know, like, I heard of double agents, but, I mean, I'm not good at math, but I don't know how many times you can betray two different sides. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I never tuned into that. Wasn't it? That was J.J. Abrams, I think, right? But any, any, anyway, we're getting yeah, lost here. Point. So you would check out any of these series, and usually the first season is absolutely the roughest and they don't figure out what they're going for until about late season two early season i mean even with breaking bad and breaking bad season one and two are fine but it doesn't become the show that everybody knows it as until probably late or mid season four maybe late season three you can make the argument but even that is still totally a little wishy-washy um it starts picking up in like mid season three is where it really kind of starts picking up in the direction that's really headed yeah. right it becomes an actual like piece of art, I, I would say around that time, as opposed to like a pretty good cable show. So there's potential, maybe, but I don't trust Netflix. I don't think Netflix guiding the ship creatively on anything. They're best when they just give people money and leave them alone. But even then, there seems to be some kind of issue of any sort of sticking power because none of the Netflix films, save for a few, uh, are all that memorable or impressive. Even. I'm, I'm sorry. Are you saying? I'm saying. Are you saying Bright didn't strike a chord with you? Oh well, God! Bird Box didn't. Of, <laughs> Max Lane. Bird Box didn't make you. <laughs> in a moment. 
Bird Box. I didn't even watch Bird Box. I wouldn't dare put on Bird Box when that was like a big cultural moment. Everybody's tuning into yeah. Bird Box that week. Cool. I mean, this that is the great. same company that, like, you know, it proudly presents us Joe Exotic, right? Mm. I mean, Netflix, Netflix kind of, Netflix in a real genuine way, I think, does kind of represent that very unfortunate shift in media and art that I think we got out of YouTube. Because it's not quality, it's quantity. They're like, let's keep just shovel shit out, whatever it is. Hey, dude, we have, hey, we can get The Rock and Ryan Reynolds in a movie with Gal Gadot. What's the movie? Who gives a shit? And it's fine. And the thing is, too, is the audience is like, broader audiences respond to it as being fine. And it's kind of like, it's almost like Scorsese's point about the MCU stuff, you know? I can see why he says it's not cinema and that it's like a roller coaster. I can, you know, I don't necessarily even know that I agree. I really enjoy the Marvel movies, and I think it's more like Skarsgård, uh, Stellan Skarsgård said he's like, I think they have their place. I think the problem is just that production is so controlled by these small handful of companies, and all they're interested in is the bottom dollar. So you're not getting art house cinema screened in independent cinemas anymore because there's no more independent cinemas, and because everything's straight direct to fucking video and it's kind of sad that you can self-publish on amazon but like you know you're never gonna see your fucking passion project that's actually really well done you know you're not gonna see your goodwill hunting end up on amazon prime just because it doesn't have ryan reynolds and the rock in it right so i think i actually think and you brought up self-publishing i think that what what is happening to the filmmaking industry right now is mirroring what happened to the publishing industry when self-publishing became a more prominent trend which is that only your your hunger games and harry potter books and all these big titles are really going to sell right um and you're going to see the entire industry of people making things terraform to meet the standard of your average person being able to throw something together and what what's going to happen is you're going to have two extremes there where you're going to have some really small interesting stuff and then really dull well-made uh, explosive big blockbuster properties and that's kind of the space we're existing in currently anyway you know you know it's funny because actually like um and I'm, 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 I'm almost certain you guys have seen the documentary side by side uh the keanu, keanu reeves one yeah yeah i've seen yeah. it really i thought it was really good and it was like it was a very interesting dive into like this evolution of cinema like you mentioned too earlier like you know, and I, I remember even like I remember back in like 2008 when digital TVs and digital broadcasting became a thing, and I saw it in cinema too when they started switching over to digital. Like everyone from makeup and lighting to set design, everyone needed to readjust because all of a sudden you're not getting that. You know, you're not getting that smudged bit of film. You're not getting that natural lens flare. You know, everything's sharp and crisp and, like, you know, depth of field sometimes. You can also see to, the like... grease in Matt Lauer's pores every every Monday morning. <laughs> oh, dude, the newest, the newest here have not figured out HD cameras yet. So the way <laughs> they put makeup on, you're just kind of like, oh, why is this person orange today? Just That's their neck weird. and their face are two different colors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, first yeah, place yeah. I actually re- First place I remember noticing this. This was, like, I used to work in politics back in the day. And I was working, I was, like, subcontracting with a union just as, like, an election drive kind of thing. And we got together at this bar that had this big, fancy plasma TV 
and they were airing the debate between Obama and John McCain. And I remember watching this in like high definition and I'm like looking, I'm like, both of these men look ghoulish. Like yeah. they look, yeah, they look like they got like, it's like makeup by Dutch boy or something. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. But I brought up side by side though, because one of the interesting things I noticed that was brought up towards the end of the film was how digital photography kind of, it democratizes filmmaking. Like the kind of shit we did on um, Mass State Lottery, if, if, if we were ourselves trying to make a movie in the 90s, wouldn't probably would not have been nearly as easy. Oh, hell no. Even uh, yeah. We got a friend, uh, the Kino Corner, who shot his first movie on, I think it was like 16 millimeter. And it's a, a small 90 minute film. And he shot it around, I think, his college he was going to at the time. He's only like a 25 year old guy. And uh, I asked him, so, like, how much did it cost to get all that film developed? And he said to me, $60,000. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? $60,000 to develop? That's out that's, that's out of the realm of, of just that's my the, perspective. That's the budget of the film with Lilo Brancato that I got fucked on recently. I mean, we'll cover that on movies at some point. I'm sure Sleepy yeah. will, will be a great show to have you on for. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, I only I only blame James and I hope I hope uh, everyone else involved has a good time. I, I was good. briefly in talks to edit the film and that did not. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's got a, he's, he's really good at following up, but enough of my bitterness. Mm -hmm. What I was thinking though, and this, this had just occurred to me. Is so you know you, we've got the we got this ongoing debate about the like the state of film right now. We got your Scorsese's who are saying like you know all these big blockbusters are just cotton candy and it's bullshit, and then you got Stellan Skarsgård saying like, yeah, well we're only getting bullshit because these corporations control everything, and it's kind of strange though because as the uh, in 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 um in side by side one of the questions that and it was Scorsese was part of this discussion was that with this proliferation like if it, so all of a sudden now anyone can make a film you can make a film if you've got a camera you can make a film but because of that like yes the art the artist the auteur with this brilliant vision who might have never gotten it made when there were other corporate gatekeepers can now produce it but can you find it because it's swimming in this ocean of other shit. Like everyone's iPhone backyard fucking slasher film is an independent film right alongside whatever Darren Aronofsky, whatever the next Darren Aronofsky is going to fucking be like. And so we get this thing. And I notice even with YouTube, YouTube, um, like, I mean, I went from doing, and this is one of the sadder things. When I used to just sit on camera and bitch about dumb fucking news items and politics and shit oh yeah there they, there was traffic then when i started making art doing short like films basically telling short stories dropped off entirely because the youtube in general doesn't really support that content and i found that the people who make the content that i like like that people like exerbia and like stories of old they've actually they're gravitating towards this service that they made themselves called nebula and it's one of these things like, okay, well, we've got corporate gatekeepers here. So our choice is either try to start our own thing and hope people pay attention or play the game that in, you know, like the corporations or the studios want so that our vision that we can make on a shoestring budget can get somewhere. 
And so I don't know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to see evolve because it's just, you know, if you hand everyone the keys to, you know, if you hand everyone the keys, everyone's going to press and no one's going to get through the door. Mm. I tend to, you know, I, I lean on the side of if somebody makes a quality piece of art, you know, in spite of all those options being out there, I think if there's at least one spot where that can be available, eventually it'll get noticed. But that could take up to 40 years. It could take 50 years. And who wants to be around for that? But <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I tend to believe that that's probably more the case than, than not. I think there is room for people making their own shit on a shoestring budget and being able to get in through the door if they make the right moves. And maybe they can't even make uh, – maybe they can make all the right moves within this little sphere of things, and that won't be enough. I think you have to start pivoting and, and strategizing for all the uh, the factors that are kind of shoulder to shoulder with it, like um, a, a movie we talked about on on here uh, that won some prize at uh, the Berlin Film Festival is uh, Dasha Nekrasova's The Scariest Sixty First, which looks like it has a budget that is maybe about fifteen thousand dollars less than what we shot with Mass State Lottery, and surely was more. And it has been a very successful film. Shutter bought it, and they were going to put it out in theaters in December. And it's just a very personal, small, kind of jokey, Epstein, clearly inspired. But we're, we're in a, like a current zeitgeist of people who are inspired by Eyes Wide Shut. I've seen a ton <laughs> of movies this year that feel very like we just watched Eyes Wide Shut. And we look, there's a there's aspects to that with Mass State Lottery, 100 percent. But you see that movie, Scary 61st, the beta test. These movies all have that flair to them and they seem to be small and doing fairly well. But, I mean, I don't know. The the, the industry as a whole, um, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with the Marvel films or the Disney movies or anything like that if they didn't set the tone for what's going to be released to theaters. But that's just how it's going to be. Um, I think yeah. theaters are, are certainly on their way out. We've been saying that for a long time now. But, I mean, can you even name four movies that are currently playing at your local theater? Because I can't. And I could, I could have any other any other week uh, prior to this year. Streaming oh, shit. Right. Oh, they just no. keep the same movies. And I'm pretty sure I could go walk up the street and see Pig again. And I saw that back in like September or something. So mm. I don't know. Um, actually, well, you know, I, I did see I Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. And Hans, I do want you to watch this movie. I like this movie. I thought it, look, I, I hate all those Resident Evil films. I hate that they have nothing to do with the games. This gave me what I needed. This was, this was. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, I just found out we got some. We got that deposit back on the rental car. Thank fucking god. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jerry, yeah. for that breaking news. My the- so my theater right now has a, an animated Disney movie about another Mexican family or a Mexican girl called Encanto. That's all over the okay. airports. I don't know. If, well, you, you. I guess you guys were in. I'm sure that's uh, a thing here too. You got to turn off. No, the airport's there. That's why, why I'm mentioning it. Like mm-hmm. on the New York airport, there were ads for that shit all over the yep. place. It looks very Coco like. Uh, then you got Eternals, you got the new Ghostbusters, and the Ghostbusters. new Resident Evil. Nick, what uh, do you think it. about them bringing Harold Ramis back to life for the new Ghostbusters? <laughs> <sighs> what does he yeah. do? Does he do like a. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I haven't watched the movie. On Ghost. I've watched <laughs> clips of it from a. One, two, three movies link. And I went to the scene and I was like, all right, well, that's not that bad. Right. Because he 
he pops up in the way he does. I won't spoil anything for that because that's yeah. a new movie. But I've, he pops I've, I've up the way he does. Yeah. And then he sticks around. And I was like, oh, no. It, you know, why is he oh. still on screen? Uh-oh. <laughs> now he's part of the movie. Oh, God. Oh, no. Why are they doing this? If it works in service of the story correctly, like on that side, like you know the storytelling side, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm fine with that. If it gets to a point though, where like, because then you've got that, you know, there's that whole question of like, okay, like you know, if Harold Ramis wanted to sign on, if he was still alive, wanted to sign on and do a new Ghostbusters, right? That's one thing. He's not around to right. say if he wants to. He didn't even die like a year before or around 26. No. He died in 2014. So this was before he didn't start shooting it. Yeah. Right. And here's the thing. Here's what I dislike about it. Because at first it's like, all right, we see him. And it's like, it's almost tastefully done. And it makes sense to the story. But then he sticks around and like Bill Murray's making jokes. And he doesn't say anything. He just kind of, he nods his head and stuff. It's weird. It's fucking horrible. It's the gratuity question. Mm -hmm. Like, Okay. Is this like, is this genuinely necessary? Does it serve the story well? Um, I mean, I've got, you know, right now, especially, I mean, I've got a weird, you know, perspective on death and memory and legacy and grief. Um, and then I think, well, I also think though, too, because I mean, you know, we think of Harold Ramis, he was Egon in Ghostbusters. We, you know, he was the smart one in Ghostbusters. You forget that, like, he was the comic genius mostly behind its production. Like he was a... This guy, yeah, this guy came out of National Fucking Lampoons. If you want a fun movie to watch, go watch uh, A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, wonderful fucking film about National Lampoons. And then when you see, like, Harold Ramis portrayed as a young man, and you realize, like, wait, this is the scene he came out of. Okay. Like, I could almost see it. I could see it kind of like almost the Bill Murray perspective. Like Murray didn't want to do any new Ghostbusters. He's like, no one's going to want to watch this drag our fat ass old asses around in jumpsuits. He didn't want to like take away from what they'd done before. If it could be said that like Ramus's CG resurrection um, actually served the story and, and, and was, and was tasteful. Again, I'm still on the fucking fence because I'm thinking, like, as an actor, I'm like, you know, all right, I, I'd like to choose the roles that I do, and I can't do that when I'm dead. So, Hans, if you passed also, away suddenly, I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Would you be offended if I just kind of like took a screenshot of you and then moved your mouth up and down like a South Park character to finish the movie? No, you've done worse on sketches, I think. So I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm good. When whenever you hit me up with like, "Hey, can you record these five second voice clip?" I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, sure." You know what? Here, here's the wonder thing. what this is going to be <laughs> for this shoot. I have to really give you credit for being such a good team, a good sport, and good team player. About I mean, you too, Nick, for losing the eyebrows. I don't even want to talk about this stuff though. I'd rather leave it be a surprise later on. But both of you guys really just have a great uh, knack for not questioning my. Uh, ideas yeah. at all that may potentially humiliate you. It's like, yeah, just Strange hold on. Way to put that. Thank uh, you, Jay. Just, uh, but I'll take it in the spirit I imagine it was offered in. No, look, it, it's all going to work out <laughs> exquisitely. Okay, Hans, you putting on some white face and dressing like a vampire and going around a playground at yeah. night. Look, it's all going to be terrific when you guys like see the 15 degrees product. or however fucking cold it yeah, was. I'm just is... <laughs> sweating and it's free. I've never been be... this cold in like Look, five years. And... 
There'll yeah. be great deleted scenes that I keep on my personal hard drive and watch by myself for the yeah. next I'll say, 40 after years. Having shaved all of the hair off of my head for two now different projects um, and also enjoying this, I don't want to say portly, but barreling in on middle-aged body type I've got, <laughs> I look at the sacrifices that great actors like Christian Bale made for the mechanic. I think I that that's better than keto. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Anything for the art. <laughs> yeah. One can of tuna and one apple a day, right? That's what he I ate. think that yeah, that was, his diet was something like that. It was like a cigarette and an apple. All right, cool. Jesus. Oh, I got the beer out, huh? Well, so much for that. Yeah. Anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what were we even talking about before we got on the subject of um, well, we, I think well, Harold Ramis. Oh, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, also just digital technology in general. And I can even bring it back around to Bebop in this one. In that, um, again, it was like a confused mess in that you could tell they didn't want to lean too heavily on CG. You know, that's why we don't have as many fucking space battles between ships as you do actually in the fucking show. Um, but then even the CG there, like our expectations of that shit, it's like, there are some sequences. I'm like, Hey, that looks pretty good. And then some, like, I'm like, who, who, somebody got a hacked copy of blender and here we are. Like, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how it it, felt. It's also very jarring that star Wars still looks better than all of these things. And it came out, what, 40 years ago? Original stuff. With the miniatures. Yeah, yeah with the miniatures. Well, even still the, looks the George Lucas that, 90s remasters look pra- better than this. Pra- not just that, practical effects in general. Like, it, they're harder to do to, like, get what you're after. But if you do it right, though, they almost always look better. Yeah, right, so uh, that, that's something I, I want to touch on with this and maybe anime in general, uh, but also just films, which is... The more you lean into convenience, the less memorable and less, I guess, like soul or whatever uh, the property is going to have. And I think this falls victim to that. If you take a look at, look, I went to go see Akira in a New Jersey theater last year because all the theaters were shut down in New York. and They were doing a revival screening. It was it was my one opportunity to go to the movies in 2020. And the live action, the anime. Well, there's no live action yet. I'm sure that's next. I'm sure that'll happen. Oh, they haven't uh, done that yet? No. Uh, it was going to be mm-hmm. Taika Waititi directing that for a period, and then he decided to do uh, Jodorowsky's The Inkle. Yeah. I don't Ooh. think I want... I don't think I'd want Taika on it, and I love no, Taika. He's not He's not a good... I mean, I don't know if there's he's a not dark pick no. for that. He, he's just give me Alex Proyas. Alex Proyas would probably pull it off. Oh, well, have you seen him late? Have you seen Gods of Egypt or whatever he directed in the past? No. 10 no. Dark City Ooh. Alex Proyas would be fantastic, but his Dark current City. self. Oh. Mm. I'm also just knowing that Nicolas Cage movie or The End of the World. Oh, uh, he did that too. Where he plays an MIT professor. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, <laughs> no, I feel sufficiently shamed. Thank you both. <laughs> so maybe Dark City, maybe iRobot Alex Proyas, maybe. Can I That's just I want to throw this out for you cinephiles, I want to throw this out of you because I've actually been I haven't I haven't scripted it yet, but I've just sort of been drafting notes. But in this age of reboots and remakes and shit, I can't help but think that especially with my writing style, I want to rewrite and reboot Strange uh, Strange Days. 
Uh, what, the title's familiar. I can't immediately place uh -huh. it. Obscure as fuck. That's right. Ray Fines, Juliet Lewis, Michael Wincott, Tom Sizemore. For fuck's sake! The great Tom, oh. Tom Sizemore. No, everyone forgot about this movie because it's a movie that takes place. I think it was made in '94, and it takes 95. place '95. '95. Look at me. Look at that. Catherine Bigelow. Now. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it takes place on New Year's Eve, 1999, when Millennium's going to happen. But, I mean, if you haven't seen that film, honestly, I insist you watch it, and I insist we do a fucking recap on that one, only because to adapt that. So it's like it's got that mid-'90s um, post-Rodney King riot race tension in it. It's got corrupt cops in it. It's got uh, weird conspiracies. It's got like the, a devastating effect on the society that uh, this new, it wasn't social media, but this new technology that they in, introduced to, for the story into it. It's also fucking on the nose for like the 2020s. And I'm like, I'm so happy no one remembers that movie. That way, when I rewrite it and I reboot it, you rip it up. Yeah. I can get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like the last thing I need is JJ Abrams. You're like, you know, I. I haven't ruined an intellectual property in a while. Well, well <laughs> Let me hey, find something obscure. <laughs> you can kind of get away with that to a degree. I think Simon Barrett, uh, who's Adam Weyard's go-to collaborator, admitted that like three of his films were initially just like rewrites, but with a horror tinge uh, to John Hughes movies. I think like Home Alone, Sixteen Candles, and stuff. And it's like, oh, all right. I mean, I guess you can do. I can. You can take the blueprint of anything and just rework it technically. So. Um, well, I mean, that's, well, I mean, that's the entire, I mean, that's, that's even how, like, the entire, um, uh, fuck, what was it called? Um, Christ, no, it was that thing Abrams took over. It started out as a monster movie. Uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah. Yeah, there's a Cloverfield universe. It's like, wow, these other Cloverfield films totally don't feel like films that someone made. And then J.J. Abrams is like, hey, hey, give me a couple reshoots and a little, uh little authority on the plot there and that you got yourself was a deal a hundred percent the one that they released on uh i think it was like new year's day which was uh, cloverfield paradox paradox so yeah, 10 cloverfield lane the script to that was originally supposed to be like a thriller and there was mm -hmm. i believe there was no real alien aspect to it it was a lie that the dude was doing to uh Keep them I don't even think I don't even think Goodman's character mentioned anything about aliens or any shit at all. He just said like something has happened. You can't go outside. Mm -hmm. Yes, great tension builder. So yeah, uh, I read the original script of that not long before checking out uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I think is a pretty good movie. And um, the original twist was that the supporting male character who she's locked up with uh, is like a bad guy or something, and he he does something terrible and then the john goodman character isn't a great guy but he's not like a molester child killer that they allude to i guess um not like stanley tucci and lovely bone style character but then they rework it into and you don't even get like the same sci-fi element from that first cloverfield but cloverfield paradox i remember was announced as a totally different project the cast and, and crew it was all set to be one thing that jj abrams was going to uh you know, have involvement with as a producer or whatever. And then they throw in the Cloverfield monster from the original movie and try and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They tied it all together. Great. No, that's, that's exactly now that was what he was doing the entire way. He did, he did it with both of those films mm -hmm. was like, they were standalone films, which I mean, Cloverfield paradox, if it was a standalone, like 
oh my god, like weird shit happening on space station, spaceship thing, whatever, you know. Fuck it. I, I sat through gravity. I can deal with that. Um, they even show the month. I don't even remember the monster showing up on that. Very, very end. end. Yeah. His yeah, head pops that up was, from the clouds. Yeah, because apparently even like, and that, that's the thing I love too. If you, like the original Cloverfield was like fun for what it was. It's like, hey, look, yeah. it's another found footage film. But this one, it's it's exciting and it's kind of scary. And, you know, they tease the monster just enough. It's not that gratuitous. Like, look at this monster I rendered. Um, and then, you know, and then it ends. I mean, it was, it was a fun film for what it was and now we get this thing where like okay so in 10 clover eight was it 10 or eight clover it was uh, 10 cloverfield lane 10 cloverfield lane yeah so we get this entire side story which again was like a would have been way better if it was just its own thing and then like you can clearly see they're like yeah once jj got involved all of a sudden instead of being a small and contained intense film and story all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, aliens in the sky and shit. And I'm going to, like, I'm a badass now. I'm, like, uh, out of that Prometheus movie, if you remember. No, yeah, all right. Well, maybe the other one? No? Okay. Well, I'm like those characters. Forgettable. And, um, yeah, I can, I, can, I can fuck up some aliens when it needs it. And then they added, yeah, it was just extra shots. And then in Cloverfield Paradox, we get this thing. It's like, okay, well, this, this monster, which was kaiju-sized, it was Godzilla-sized, Roaming through New York, smashing shit up and fuck shit up. Oh, now it's big enough to poke its head through the clouds as a spaceship is conveniently falling from Earth. Uh, like, they they did a, a pretty good job at killing that franchise because I don't think anyone would be excited to see any Cloverfield related thing so. after that. J. Abrams kills everything he touches. I mean, I was a fan of Lost, and that was when I realized during the writers' strike when J.J. decided, hey, I'm going to go be um, kind of like a douchier Seth MacFarlane, except not funny. I'm going to go off and be this, like, I'm the whiz kid in Hollywood. Like, lost for all those seasons, even towards the end, right up to that last season, all the buildup and shit that they gave us to, like, enjoy. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for them to tie this together. I'm making my own theories, blah, blah, blah. Then you find out Writer's Strike comes around. J.J. Abrams said, this is the perfect time for me to fuck off and go make movies. Goes to his writer's room and be like, all right, guys, uh, wrap it up in a season if you can. Like, what's, how do, what's, the, what's the payoff? Like, what happens with all... Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any idea. No, have fun. And he, he fucks sleep. off. Yeah, right? and then he, Something like that. I don't even remember what the... I never saw it. It was boy's head. Yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was basically fucking saying elsewhere. It might as well have been. <laughs> And then you get like, and then you get him going into Star Trek, and I'm an old Star Trek fan too. But yeah. as a writer myself, I, I want to go on record saying this: people complain about Deus Ex Machina, right? People complain about obvious plot armor and Chekhov's gun and all that shit, right? What I fucking hate in sci-fi is how timelines are used as like it's the ultimate plot MacGuffin. That okay, that that first J.J. Abrams uh, Star Wars movie, which is like we're bringing in the '60s series and we're meshing it with it, right? So when they brought in Leonard Nimoy, everybody's doing that now. That's how they're making sense of. Well, this is how we're going to keep the Marvel films interesting. Here's Tobey Maguire from another universe, and here's Michael Keaton's Batman. The multiverse kind of works in the MCU because, for one thing, like there's a lower expectation realism. Also, in the comics, and I'm a comic nerd. 
like the multiverse is a thing and it actually does add interesting plot elements but whereas like marvel on the comics and as i'm seeing them kind of do it now in the films is taking that on like i hate to say more seriously jj abrams is the kind of guy who like he like there's no corner he can he cannot write himself into or out of casually and lazily and honestly him establishing a whole new timeline so that star trek which used to be this really like like you know the original series was goofy the next generation was thoughtful and then it get more and more thoughtful as it got along to take a series like that and turn it into i'm gonna have this guy jump dirt bikes and we're gonna have sword fights and oh my god brought the beastie boys out for the soundtrack yeah, and then like, and then to see how that fed into this Star Trek Picard garbage, where that's another uh, one. The like, Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even watched. I haven't watched Discovery, and I don't think I will. I watched Picard, hoping I'd at least get something out of it, and I'm like, oh, jumpy, flippy sword fights. That's what I think of when I think of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I think okay. of the Romulans, and I think of samurai cowboys. Yeah. Very soon, Star Wars it up. Yeah. You're gonna. Well, that's what you're gonna get next. You will get the merge of Star Wars and Star Trek. Oh, Look, Disney, oh, Disney put in a bid. Forward to that at all. They put in a bid to get DC. So they were probably already oh, thinking, we can have Batman I can't wait Spider-Man until the together. X-Men. I can't wait until the X-Men show up on the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. Look, so they, 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 don't know, re- they don't know they what to do with Star rescue. Wars. They can all go rescue <laughs> Captain Picard from Hogwarts, where he's been held captive by Dementors. Fuck. Hey, Wolverine in space, but he's too heavy because he's skeleton, he's metal. All so right. he has oh special boots. Oh, you bringing Jesus. physics into my movie, sir? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to continue uh, with Star Wars now. They they probably won't do the obvious. We're going to retcon it. We're going to go back just very slightly. They probably will do something ridiculous, and you will live to see Star Wars and Star Trek oh, get a you- merge universe movie. I can tell that the Obi-Wan series is going to be terrible because they're filming it in Massachusetts. Are they? Yeah. Oh, boy. What? Wow. I'm yeah, yeah. But no, but just like, but just like City Wait, on a Hill. you don't film it in space? What? <laughs> 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 no, just like, just like City on a Hill, though. I'm pretty positive that, they, that, that it's all like out-of-town actors. When City on a Hill started getting produced... I'm like, holy shit, a, a New England production. Maybe I can get work. Oh, everyone's from New York or Vancouver. And they're filming it in New York and Vancouver. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to show up to get some establishing shots at Boston. And then we're going to fuck clean off out of here because who the fuck wants to deal with these fucking cunts? Yeah, make it happen Monday, my ass. Like, <laughs> that show is, I mean, it's not outright terrible, but it's bad. I started watching it just because I've been in more of like a TV mood lately. Um, and my threshold for like being able to watch certain scripted shows, because now Wait, I'm checking out Dexter, City on a Hill. Oh. No, what's yeah, happening Kevin, is actually Kevin the, the show. And Rerun is the star. He's uh, a Boston native. Yeah, you should check that out. We should do a show on that, on the entire series know, of what's happening. I don't know why. Well, you know, I, no, I do know why. Because we've we've all seen movies. Like, I mean, I think The Departed is the best example of like people who've never really spent any time in Boston or Massachusetts in general, and they're like, "All right, I got the fucking accent, there, buddy." And it's like, "Oh God, what are you doing?" 
I had to, because uh, I've been doing this voice work for Chilling Tales, and I got this big script, which is nice, because that means more money. But um, I'm 10 minutes into this recording, like the voice and pitch and tenor's perfect. I haven't fucked up once. So it's a clean recording, 10 minutes in, I'm like thinking to myself, like this shit's gonna be like $500. And, um, and then I get to this part where it's like, the character says, oh, I come from a town in Lancashire, England. I'm like, fuck, oh. god damn it. And I went back and then for the last three days, I've been trying to learn a Lancashire oh, accent. No. And, it, <laughs> and, it gets, and then what happens though is I keep getting back into fucking Yorkshire and it gets worse and worse every time. Every time I go back, trying to get it going down to Lancashire and it turns into fucking Yorkshire that turns into fucking Scots, and I'm like why is it I'm putting this amount of effort into learning an accent correctly for a YouTube <laughs> video belonging to somebody else yeah. and yet these A-listers can't be bothered to sign up and be like okay so park the car that's just like that that's just a joke Oh, fight me, faggot. That's what they said. We, okay. we were doing, well, well, we did the topic time video, which you haven't mentioned at all. I'm sure that's going to come up. Oh, yeah. We will. A yeah, future okay. episode we're doing. Uh, there was one point where, where you asked me to do an impression or something. And I was like, no, like, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to do a Boston accent when, the only accent I have is this. Well, they, like, I can't I, really fake anything else. What I said was, oh, well, uh, uh, Devlin here, because we were in character, obviously. We, I said, ah, I'm a private investigator from from Queens, New York. And then he posted on his Facebook status, like, minutes after, like, a PI from Brooklyn just reached out to me. And we're going to do it. <laughs> anyway, so I was playing Rathke from the movie, and Hans was playing Devlin. And I was like, well, I, I, I mean, I think Devlin's got a bit of a Boston accent himself. Uh, <laughs> hey, and don't you do impression? You can do like a Tiger impression, no. can't you? Or Jack Nicholson. And I was I've really done this. we were going to go for it. But, no, <laughs> I was like, I've done this on stream when I'm <laughs> hammered. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's like to do it sober. Years. <laughs> I got to say, yeah. the fact that like I've had to, like, I've had to read uh, dialogue for Evan's um in addition to the shoot that we did, what, like two or three other times. And it's one of these things like, okay, wait a second. Where is this guy from? Fuck, I don't remember. All right, generic Northeastern accent thought of work for this. <laughs> Fuck it. Who's going to notice? It's the same thing. I even wrote, like, I wrote the writer of the story I'm trying to read in this, in this Lancashire accent. And I'm like, I apologize ahead of time for butchering it. I might sound a little Scottish, and I'm definitely going to sound a little bit Yorkshire. He's like, Wait, someone's actually going to produce that story I wrote. Like, oh, okay, we're approaching these different planes. I see. This is this is fine. But no, I mean, it's like the thing. It's like, why the fuck? I mean, Jay, you know, fucking Massachusetts is swimming in aspiring actors who just get dragged down by like the shit infrastructure of the film network there. And, like, there's one actual agent and half of his half of his clientele are fucking background actors course and then it's like yeah and it's like hey sign up for agency pro two hundred dollars a year and you can get a social media account with my casting company fuck and then we're surprised kevin bacon shows up with a bunch of fucking canadians to shoot establishing shots before they fuck back off to new york to film a thing about boston fuck um <laughs> I can tell you're very upset you didn't get the City on the Hill gig. Jeez. But I, look, it's not a very good show. I Again, I'm like seven episodes in. 
there's one legit actor from Boston who's probably lived in L.A. most of his life, and that's uh, Jonathan Tucker. And he's got he's yeah, got it almost yeah, like, down pat. But everybody I, well, else, I like, I like I like Tucker's shit actually. I loved him in, uh, I'm like Neil Gaiman is my favorite author, and his role as basically Loki in American Gods. Hmm. Like I'm like this is not how I pictured him in the books. But please continue. Hmm. And oh, I, he's just got I a think... scally cap, and he drinks Rolling Rock, and he hangs out. <laughs> oh, he's in prison. No, he's in prison most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Listen yeah. to Dropkeeper if he's in prison. <laughs> uh, I, th- no, I think that the, the reason why that happens, I think it's because you have to be from there to know the difference, because I just hear, like, I watch Boondock sure. Saints, and I'm like, oh, this is Boston. Yeah, everyone talks like oh, they're from Boston. Yeah, well, I mean, the worst <laughs> accents in that was honestly, like, they're the Irish accents. That he was Irish. And like a river it'll flow until you find me lucky charms. Like where who's your who's your fucking dialect coach there, powder? All right. Just pump the brakes, buddy. But I mean, like, did either of you catch the movie last year? It was fucking critically acclaimed, which I don't fucking understand. But I care a lot. Uh I didn't That's watch it. Jake, uh, who worked on the film with us and is part of our crew did uh some something with production for that movie oh, fucking atrocious fucking atrocious film is it set I mean, in mass oh it's set in yeah it's set in boston and it's funny because it's one of the few times you see a movie set in mass or boston where they don't really explicitly say so but like when you've worked on a couple when you know you've when you've worked on a few movies and you've seen what sets are like and you see half the time like wow this deluxe corporate office for the bad guy is actually just some cheap shit rental location off 93 then when you see like they went for the budget option of that and you realize you're like wow i've only seen um fucking Tyrion uh in three two or three locations and um I combine that with the fact that he really looked like he just wanted to go home. Okay, I get it. And, and it's like the only I saw one actor I know, and he was I, I did a film with him, Ascendants, uh, back a ways. And he's a talented actor. He's done a lot of shit. He was in Daredevil, like, and he came back to Boston to play this role. Jose Gonzalez, uh, fucking Guns Gonzalez, he's a fucking powerhouse, like intimidating, muscular guy, but he's also got acting chops. But yeah, he was basically just doing featured background work. And I'm like, okay, I've been trying, I've been getting whatever work I can, and I know the people in this scene here pretty well. I have seen none of them in this film. And all of these locations, like, oh, look, we're in another parking structure. Wow, that must have <laughs> really run the budget up, huh? <laughs> I, I'm looking at the reviews for that movie on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's maybe what's kept me from checking because I remember they started when it came out, but reviews like uh, Rosamund Pike is almost too effective. Her delicious villainy, too irresistible to completely loathe. Oh. From her sharp canary yellow suit to her fearless resolve, Marla may be problematic, but she is fabulous. Well, doesn't like, that movie what, end great. with, with Megan Blair is <laughs> like a Trump supporter and he's like, I'm with I'm with her, bitch, or something. And it's, he fires the no, gun into her chest and kills her. Was, oh. In this, no, in this film, it's like so. This this whole one is like so. Rosamund Pike's character, the main character, she's she runs this like seniors administrative thing where like she is the one who declares if they're capable of taking care of themselves, and then she racks up huge bills 
for them with like nursing homes and shit and makes a profit off of that right and then she crosses a crime boss played by Tyrion Lannister and like none of it it's it's one of these things it's like I think it almost wanted to be kind of like layer cake and it's like hey look this is a, a vicious criminal who you know is profiting off of the suffering of others but they're a likable character involved in some crazy hijinks and what we ended up getting is like this is an unlikable bitch who does horrible things to like helpless people and you want but oh you want me the the sympathetic character okay yes because it's because it's strong female protagonist i'm like this is a horrible piece of shit everyone in this movie is a horrible piece of shit any characters that have any depth or worth to them at all they're either not in the movie or they get killed off and then we end with like Oh, yeah, Tyrion Lannister, the crime boss of Boston, like the dwarf crime boss who does all of his business out of parking structures and kills people when he willy-nilly. And spoiler alert, he decides at the end, after she almost has him killed, that they need to go into business together. And he's completely cool with the fact that he basically drove her mother, his own mother into poverty and debt. Fucking, and it's just like, I'm like, this is the best Boston cinema has to offer. And then you look at these reviews, like, stunning performances. I mean, right. I was so, so <laughs> So it's not, oh. not necessarily Better Call Saul. It's just a, a boss bitch being a boss bitch. <laughs> I would have preferred Troy Duffy's I Care a Lot. I think Troy Duffy's going to make a comeback. Wait, I mean, wait, he's wait, got Boondocks. Wait, 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 wait. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Jay. I didn't hang on. Did, did Troy Duffy do that? No, I got. I no. wish oh, I would have watched it right. if he did. Christ. Yeah, no, I'd love to see the YouTube documentary on what a pain in the ass he was on that movie, too. Oh, um, Overnight is on Tubi for free right now. Much better watch, I'm sure, than I care a lot. <laughs> seeing him make an enemy of Harvey Weinstein like his first year in Hollywood. And then yeah, he's probably. He's- it, just imagine him doing that victory lap. He's like, yeah, fuck you, Willem Dafoe, with the with your bullshit only working with second unit crew in Florida because you don't want to be around me. <laughs> fuck you. I uh, I you watched a you I watched a YouTube uh, interview with him recently on the channel Indie Film Hustle, and it seems like nothing has changed in twenty five years. He's just the same guy, but a little bit older and fatter. And he's like, see, I knew it. I knew he was a bad guy. Know. I'm the his hero. Band is gonna be, his band is going to be bigger than fucking Godsmack, bro. His fucking his band. Did you hear about his band? His band also called the Boondock band. Saints, right? Going to be fucking. Listen, any day now, any fucking day, like Sony or fucking uh, Olympic Records. I don't know what the record companies are. They're going to pick him up one of these days, and then they're going to make Boondock Saints three, four, and five, all featuring a fatter and less happy Sean Patrick Flannery. Do well, you he's know the one pushing the project, right? Because he's you know not Troy Duff is, What is he doing? What Troy Duff is doing now? Uh, twenty twenty, his last project. He wrote a movie called Guest House, starring Holly Shore, Bobby Lee, Ooh. Billy Zane, and Stevo. Damn, he got Billy God. Zane. Billy Zane, who's yeah. like an eight hundred dollar cameo dot com selection. Wow, Bobby Lee, Holly yeah. Shore, Stevo. This is. Uh... I, just love, I just. I love you can. You can already tell with that cast. Like you already know too. Polly Shore and Bobby Lee were both probably literally like. I have nothing else to do, so, so why the fuck not? And this sounds like a good way to, you know, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Billy seems cool. like I can be a star again. They'll make a sequel to The Phantom. I'm sure of it. After this, 
Guess guess the guess the character that Paulie Shore is playing. Rob um, Schneider. I'm gonna say Paulie Shore. He's a party guy living in a house. Oh my god. Parties. I've seen the trailer to this. No, I've seen the trailer to this. Yeah. It's one of those dumb situational like let's comedy. watch yeah, this like, trailer. Oh Hans, pull the trailer. Is, okay, let's take a sure. look. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So he's directed things that don't have the Boondock Saints name because I know he did two, and that had Judd Nelson as the bad guy. Yeah, and well, no, that the funny thing with that too is they had to like they had to recast, well, not recast, but so Willem Dafoe's super FBI investigator character turned into a woman lady, right? And that, well, the thing was is the re- like big reason for that is Willem Dafoe. I don't. I mean, I'm just. Don't think this is gospel. I might be wrong. But what I'd heard is that Willem Dafoe really just did not. He was under contract that he'd agreed to do a sequel if they did one. But he wouldn't work with Troy Duffy directly, which is why, like, he just has this cameo in the end. And if you watch, you see the only person that seems excited to be in that movie is, I forget his name, the little guy, like, the little Mexican dude. He's the only one uh, he, Paul, Patrick, Paul, Paul Patrick Flannery, whatever the fuck his name is. Sean Patrick there. Flannery, yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery. If you look at him in this film, he looks bloated and hungover, and he, he doesn't want to be there. Norman Reedus just doesn't look like he really wants to be there. Ron Jeremy's happy that he got unkilled from the first movie so he could come back. And then there's, like, Mexican dude who's like, yeah, I haven't had this experience yet working with him, so I'm sure it'll be great. Oh, fuck. All right, I guess I'll do my best. Right, so they, they had to get a fill-in for what was the Rocco character for that first movie. And I think that's who you're talking about because it was the uh, the Mexican guy. I forgot yeah. that Willem Dafoe even did a cameo in that film. I was saying yeah. my prediction was he was going to come back for this third one. But if he doesn't like Troy Duffy, I, I mean, obviously probably not. If, I know if that, that, documentary, um, if that hmm. documentary was even remotely accurate that I saw, right, then it's, yeah, it, nobody wants to work with Troy Duffy. He's just—he's like, I listen. I've made it. I'm—I'm I'm famous and rich now. Oh, I don't know. I—I kind of disagree with you because he's—he just did. What is it? <laughs> I forgot the name of the movie already. Can we watch it? Let's yeah. see, let's see the trailer. What happened? To it? <laughs> I don't okay. know. Hold on. Uh oh, we got a problem. I know he was trying to crowdfund an animated prequel or something. Or maybe it was originally supposed to be a live-action prequel that turned into right an animated one. Uh, after, after after we finished up with this, I do need to go. Yeah. We're, well, we've got two episodes out of this, I'm fairly certain. All right. All right. Let's take go. a look. 2020. I'm hyped. <laughs> Fire yeah! Roman, dude. You have a woman now. Ah, nice. <laughs> We're getting married. I think this is the place. This is it. Hey, you two. Shut up and take our money. Oh, oh it's the meme. Shut you know that meme? What's the catch? Oh, they said it again. Oh. Are you guys here for the party? This is Tommy Lee's sex swing. Hell no. I just don't feel comfortable allowing some weirdo to live in our guest house. Me. Jesus. Son of a Come with me, he'll be out soon. I will march out there and I'll say, you gotta get out of here in three months. Dude. 
I wonder what happens in this movie. Some are calling it the insanity drug. Can't do that in my house. Fuck me, bro. Fuck me, bro. Did you have the talk with Randy today? I yeah yeah. I gotta get high. Come on. I am not fucking doing that. Just suck it. Dude, of all the pipes you got in this place, why do I got to smoke out of this one? It's how I sort out my pretenders. This makes you my real friend. Whoa, 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 whoa. Going nuts, that's cashews. Cashews, everything you got, man. You're high. That's what weed is like. No, I'm not. You're yeah, I was about to say, have they ever smoked weed? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is not what you do. Everything. How long is it? Oh, it, they just wanted to give us all of the important beats of the movie. I totally forgot to tell you they're bug bombing the house today. Low value, yes. This is what happens when Adam Sandler says a script is too shit for him. Where's Billy saying? It's just a possum. It's just a possum. They're not that terrifying. Hello, was that Chris Kattan? Oh, probably. I mean, he's. I'm sure he's. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is. They didn't even give Chris (laughs) Kattan a title for the movie? Oh, God. He but couldn't even get can... a name card in a Pauly Shore starring film. But can we get Chris Kattan? I don't know. I need to check with his fucking manager at Panera. If that shit was on pay-per-view, we'd be oh, fucking millionaires man. right that now. That is depressing. What the fuck? Did, yeah, not only that. Like, yeah, so, like, you even heard Wait, that last time. Macaroni is a real name. <laughs> Hold on. So, <laughs> Troy, Troy didn't direct this. He wrote it. No, he wrote. Yeah, he was and one then of the three somebody writers. named Sam Macaroni. <laughs> Directed it, yeah. which sounds yeah. a lot like a pseudonym to me because somebody was no, no, embarrassed. But it's, it is it is a real guy. Are we sure? I, I was thinking the same thing because there's this Sean Bishop guy that also wrote it, uh-huh. who's only done like. Are we sure? I guess music videos for. Are we sure it's not Lady like a Gaga Shutterstock and... model that comes up for Sam Macaroni? It's just, no, it really legit looks like. I mean, that looks like an Adam Sandler movie that Adam Sandler didn't want to be a part of. That's Sam Macaroni right there. That's, yep. Okay. That's so sure. I go. I go hungry, and this fucker gets enough money to afford <laughs> Polly Shore. There's no justice. Yeah. I mean, we're talking Polly Shore money. You know who his mom was? That's right, Mitzi Shore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Polly Shore. Well, look at that. Yeah. It's, call, it's callback. Kind of. Anyway, so it all just comes down to. Netflix doesn't know how to make movies. People in L.A. don't know how to make movies. Sam Macaroni, that's the auteur. Season two, Cowboy yeah. Bebop. Give it a Sam Macaroni. Let's see how that goes. Billy Zane, Sam Macaroni, Spike Spiegel. Troy Duffy's Chris Kattan, Spike Spiegel. Hell Billy yeah. Zane is jet black. And uh, you get that girl with the foul mouth as Faye Valentine. It all comes together perfectly. Yeah, there we go. And um, I'm pretty sure we could digitally de-age Dakota Fanning to get a decent... Radical Edward, you know, her just like 25-year-old ass bouncing around. Like, sure. Why am I here? Yeah. Why not? Will, will de-age her like Patrick Stewart? 
in uh, Wolverine. It'll be great. Terrific. I love this idea. All right. I think we got to pull the trigger I think on this. We've saved, I think we've saved Hollywood and Netflix here. I we've mean, at least saved Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Just, All right. Yeah. We need to give it to J.J. Abrams and just see what happens. Let's just bring in uh, Steve Bloom via, you know, alternate timeline like Leonard Nimoy. Right. You, you throw a little makeup on him. He's old Spike Spiegel. And that's how and we're going to introduce up, the multiverse. And he can meet up with young Spike Spiegel because of time travel, because MacGuffin. Yeah. All right. Jesus. Then Skylaser and credits. Yes. Terrific. All right. God damn it. I hope you guys are looking forward. Who Everyone, you know, all 12 of you who listen to this podcast. I hope you look forward to all the right. Skylaser. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a great sky laser at the end of our movie. Um, there is plenty of lens flare. Matt no, State Lottery. No, Matt State Lottery is uh, the Cloverfield Monster is the killer. <laughs> no, I just got a text message actually, is you know, because I got that production credit now, right, Jay? Yeah, sure. um, yeah no, yeah. J.J. Abrams has decided to roll Mass State Lottery into the Cloverfield universe. So there's nice. uh, going to be a gritty Dreaming. crime drama. And then there's going to be a money. dragon at the end of it. Well, all those all those men that go missing, that fall into the water, it actually turns out it's actually a monster that's pulling them into the water. And the monster is, of course, Cloverfield. That's what wow. nobody's telling you this. It's going to be figured out. Uh, it's a good it's a good thing nobody sits through two and a half hour podcasts like this, though, because otherwise they'd have totally had the movie spoiled for them. And yeah, nobody would. of course. So on that note, since it is the ideal time to promote your stuff, uh, you know, two hours, yeah. 27 minutes in. Nick, what, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, well, I'm going to be starting a new channel actually soon because I've been algorithmed to death uh, where I'm just going to be putting fiction up. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, you can catch you Wizard of Cause. That's like, there's only two people who ever took that moniker, me and a guy who doesn't believe the moon landing happened. So I'll let you discern which of us is which in your searches for me. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, if you go over to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, you can find me reading creepypasta shit. I have a good fun time doing that. You can find me in Jay's movie, both with fantastic hair and beard, and then later without any of it and no eyebrows. I did that for the movie. That's I'm not really sick, so don't worry. I'm mostly healthy. Um, otherwise, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you find me on the internet. I just produce shit wherever I can. Hopefully, Jay and I still got to talk about. Um, I still got to have a sit down about uh, Pray for Rain. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that uh, very soon for sure. Off the air, no more spoiling shit, by the no, way. No, this is the most pleasure. I think we've revealed about Mass Day that is not publicly out there via Space Laser. Fucking, like, there's a fucking Iron Man cameo. It's insane what we did with this movie, and we're going to get so It's stupid. It's the Iron Patriot. It's, it's the black girl who's currently the new Iron Man. She's Iron Heart. Iron Heart. Excuse me. Iron fucking, Patriot. That's Willem you, Dafoe. That's, that's exactly. the Green Goblin. Norman, see? No. Iron yeah. Patriot. That was, no, that was. Um, that was that Norman Osborn. That was the first black guy they had playing Rhodey. Can't remember his name now, even though it Terrence Howard, small parents. I would have known that. It's not a racial <laughs> thing at all. It's just a bad with names. But yeah, no, and that was Iron Patriot when he stole the armor, and then he became War Machine when Don Cheadle got nominated for an award. So that's what I've been up to, everyone. You can find me <laughs> in Endgame. Um, 
Um, I actually, hey, listen, I do have a Marvel wiki because I did background work on Spider-Man, the new one coming out. And I put my name up on uh, my IMDb, so it looked good. And then some nerd made me a Marvel wiki page where I play Bodega yeah. customer. So I'm oh, no, part my, of the no, MCU my friend, now. My old buddy Chris, who like basically was like my like my first acting coach and mentor for a while. And he was my roommate down south. I've told you about him before, but he was in the Spider-Man Homecoming which completely knocked me out of the movie. I hate seeing friends of mine and shit. In fact, I just recently learned my friend was actually the Santa in Happy. And I'm like, anytime I'm like watching this thing and I'm like, I'm enjoying this, this, this movie, Phil. I'm enjoying this story. What the fuck are you doing there, Chris Berry? I know you. Yeah. You don't live in New York. This is not correct at all. You've never been attacked by Spider-Man, but here you have. Yeah, I don't want to hear your massive lottery review of it's <laughs> just like oh there's just people i know what the hell <laughs> I, just, I tried to get into this movie but i was there when they were making it and it made it really hard for me to buy any of it <laughs> all right well uh that has been movies for this week uh happy hanukkah to our jewish listeners and to half of nick and uh that's that's a wrap all right all right H-word name on Twitter. Flores Wonder Bread everywhere else. Patreon.com slash Flores. Oh, fuck. We have a sponsor now. I was supposed... We'll save it for the next show. Check Surf, yeah. Surfshark VPN. We'll give the code eventually. Great. All right. That has been Raised. Thank idea. you for listening.